It was just more of a question, really, which probably might not be the appropriate place to ask it. But if you've got 504 places in communal establishments identified as a need, if you build a 30-bedroom care home, do you cross 30 off your list of houses that you've built? Or one? Yeah, no, I think it would be need to be sort of bed. I think sometimes it they're classified as bedrooms, sort of spaces or something, aren't there? It's, it's, it needs sort of defining quite carefully if you have a policy that, um, because, yeah, it isn't as simple as homes, is it? Sort of no, because the, within a care home. because the paragraph... Um, you wouldn't want 504 sort of care homes. extra care facilities or whatever <laughs> building, would you? We hope our residents don't get that decrepit. No, <laughs> um, no that, was just, that was the question. It was just so yeah, to there see needs to be a sense check on how exactly. that translates into provisions. If it so does that, get included in, just to make sure that then they get ticked off the list as, as a care home is built, that each bedroom is ticked off rather than it's just... Yes. But, sorry, that might not be the appropriate place. Thank no, I, and, uh, yes, I understand what you're saying. I was just picking up on something that Mr Miles said earlier when we were talking about the readjustment of the trajectory to take into account a more realistic supply west of Braintree um, and he said that Eastern Park and North Uttlesford were already considered to be realistic but I note from the Landsec Matter 5 statement at Para 1.1 they suggest that delivery from 2022-23 uh, is likely to be difficult to achieve and I wondered if the council had any response to that and in doing so if they could provide an update on the timetable of the DPD that's identified at appendix 5 of matter 4 because obviously that then ties in with what uh, the Landsec comments are concerned about uh, and I mention all of this because prior to lunch Mr Bedford mentioned that the five-year supply was down to something he estimated at 5.003, which uh, I think everyone would agree could be described as precarious. So any further knocks is quite significant. Thank you. Yeah, and we'll cover some of those points the week after next as well about um, um, those particular sites. Is it, have you got anything you want to say on that point or any updates? I'll just say, just as a matter of accuracy, I think I said 5.03, not 5.00. Yes, <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so we're going to go into greater detail in, in the second week. week on, next, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, just uh, coming to the point, I, I was specifically talking about the implications the council had, had mentioned for West of Braintree, uh, and, and the, the reason that the, as I said, it's the overall numbers coming down from 400 uh, at West of Braintree to, to 300 when you consider Uttlesford and Braintree together. Uh, Eastern Park and North Uttlesford have a, have a top delivery rate of 250 homes, so that is lower than that figure. I didn't. Western Braintree's start date hasn't been adjusted. Um, it, it remains at, at 25, 26, and uh, Eastern Park and North Uttlesford start date has not been adjusted either from the submitted plan. It remains at 22, 23. But okay. Has there been some recent discussion with developers of that site to see whether that's still realistic? Or? Uh, we, we've had recent discussions with them, and, and you'll see from their submissions that uh, Landsec, in particular, the Eastern Park site, they, they are they have concerns. Right. Okay. So there's no, but there's no plan to update that trajectory at the moment. No, no, no. We we have uh, come to that. We we have stuck with the trajectory in in light of those discussions. Okay. Madam, can I just come back briefly? I'll just make a note of what was said there. 
Yes. That doesn't make any sense, I'm afraid. Um, it, you've, you've got a, a statement that says that there's concerns about the ability to achieve a start of 22-23. You've had discussions that have taken place where those difficulties have been explored, and yet the council isn't intending to adjust the trajectory. If the, if the developer themselves is telling you there's difficulties with achieving that start date, and unless I've got this completely wrong, that will have an impact on the five-year supply. Is there a particular reason why the council have taken the view that it has in terms of... Uh, we think it can all be done quicker than, than Landsec think, thinks it can. They have raised particular concerns, which you'll see from their statement, um, uh, linked to the start date and, and the requirement for a development plan document. They've suggested that getting rid of a development plan document as a requirement from the plan would allow the start date to be achieved. Uh, the council considers that um, through uh, work on the DPD being uh, commencing now. Uh, so work's commenced on the DPD. Work's commenced on the DPD, yes. Work's commencing, work having commenced now, we have uh, put resources in place um, that the DPD can be, the DPD work can commence at the same time can go on at the same time as the local plan. So running parallel with... Running in parallel, that's, that's the word my mind was <laughs> looking for. Uh, and once it gets to a certain point, um, whereby uh, the local plan is adopted, the DPD, um, or the council agrees, a regulation 19 DPD, and therefore has, uh, formulates what it thinks is an appropriate plan to submit, that work on the planning application can, can also commence and this, this can lead to a, a start date uh, with completions on the site of 22-23. Right, okay. Would it be helpful to hear from Landsec, ma'am, just on that point? Sorry, I'm hidden away at the back. I see where the voice <coughs> is. Well, I beg your pardon. I... You can't see where the voice is coming from. I was going to wait until the next question, but it just seems in light of the way the discussion has developed might be yes. helpful for you to have our bit along with the last two comments. I think so, comments. because we're getting into this sort of uh, yeah. discrete area, if you like. And, and ma'am, I don't want to anticipate the site-specific um, allocation points, because some of this is about the detail of, of Eastern Park, but, but it does connect with, with today's um, discussion. And, and ma'am, it's important to understand that um, the issue that... Um, Landsec raises isn't obviously with the, the overall principle of the delivery of Eastern Park or its contribution to meeting the housing needs and it's not really about um, the need for Eastern Park to be delivered as speedily as possible as you've seen from our representations that's something that we're completely at, 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 on the all fours with with the local authority uh, we're, we also <clears throat> are very um, positive more positive I think than the council may have been in the past about the rate of delivery once Eastern Park begins, yeah. and that's something that we'll come back to later in the examination. The issue is about the start, start date. date. And just so that nobody's under any um, labouring and any misunderstanding about that, um, what, what um, Landsec says about it is that um, the plan, and this is going to depend on decisions taken through this process, should be flexible and not overly prescriptive in relation to matters which could affect the start date of Eastern Park. So decisions need to be taken with a prioritisation for Eastern Park to start, to be able to start as soon as possible. Uh, and um, that's, uh, those um, 
uh, that objective is only made more important, it seems to us, by things that have been said over the past 24 hours about changes elsewhere in the delivery for, for the plan. And you'll have seen that the trajectory at the moment shows 50 in 2022-3 and 75 in 2023-4 for Eastern Park. And what we've said in our Matter 5 statement, which is um, extremely brief and runs to four paragraphs, um, is that that a start and a delivery of 50 in the first of those those years, 2022-3, is going to be challenging. There's plainly a risk that that may not happen. We don't say that it definitely will not happen, but plainly there's a risk that it, it will not happen for the reasons that we, I, we don't need to I mean, go into today. I think that's today. quite probably fairly obvious that yeah, it is very tight. I'm yeah. sure the council probably agree that it is, it is going to be quite a challenge to... Aspirational but realistic, we, we contend. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's certainly aspirational. Um, and we don't say, um, I, I, again, I hope fairly, for reasons I'll come to in a second, that it's impossible that that, that, that can be achieved. Um, nor indeed that it's impossible by any means that uh, delivery in 23-24 will happen at Eastern Park. But crucially, um, things, decisions shouldn't be taken and processes and uh, and procedures put in place uh, in, in the interim, which makes it more difficult, especially unnecessarily difficult, to achieve start on site as soon as possible at Eastern Park. And that is going to involve, not now, I know, but la- later on in the examination, qu- quite a detailed look at the proposals that the Council has for a DPD stage at Eastern Park, whether the objectives of that process need to be delivered through that through that process as, as imagined at the moment. I, I understand so that some... So what you're looking at is potentially a different mechanism for Yes, that, so we've so suggested, I think, in, in paragraph 1.2, SPD. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, with a big site like this, obviously there's a vast amount mm-hmm. of pre-application discussion and consultation, governance issues around that application. Yeah. And so that's something that we'll need to get into a little bit more detail on the relevant day of mm-hmm. the examination. But, but to, to bring it back to today's discussion, the critical point is that... Um, flexibility needs to be to be built in at this stage about the mechanisms for delivery of uh, housing at Eastern Park so that we can try to achieve those deliveries in 22, 3 and, and 3, 4. If flexibility is there, we remain confident that certainly the latter of those two years will yield housing and maybe even the former. So there needs to be some sort of realism around... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a question of whether the, the shared objectives, and I think they are shared objectives, yeah. can be achieved in a way that maximises the chances of those houses coming forward as early as possible. Yeah. Thank you. That's helpful. Did you want to say anything else? I'm just looking at Miss Parsons. No, um, obviously, it's going to be up to you to decide when tight and challenging becomes unrealistic. You've yes. heard what you've heard, and uh, it, it'll be up for you to decide whether... You and we'll hear some more, no doubt, in a week after next, when we look at that in more detail. Yeah. Um, maybe drill down a little bit more into that. I don't know whether is there any work being done, is there any sort of timetable anywhere that of, you know, your timetable or the council that sort of looked at this in more detail so kind of you know by X date working backwards almost from 20 to 22, 22 23 
you know, working backwards from there, well, if that's going to happen by X date, this has to happen by... Do you know what I mean? Yes. I mean, I don't think there's anything published either by, by the council on that score. We, we have our own views about working that. And sort of to some extent, yeah. we've discussed that. I know canvassed it, at least, with the, with the authority. But that's precisely, I think, the kind of point that it will be important to discuss when we come back the week after yeah, next. That would be useful if there's something like that that can be sort of... Yeah. So we can sort of visibly see what period is required for each bit, and I know there will be some overlaps where some things are happening in parallel. Yes. But um, but to see how, because you know, for everybody else to see the sort of time scales that your work, you need to work to, Absolutely. to get the, the, on the ground and get the houses out of the ground. And yeah, ma'am, I entirely, I entirely agree with that. We'll, we'll, we'll try and pr produce something if that's acceptable sheet of A4 just to set those dates yeah. out. The, the other component that we may seek in the interim to make some progress with, with the council um, is a little bit more detail for you about what the council wants from its yeah. interim process, you know, the justification, a bit more justification for a DPD, whether in fact those objectives could be achieved by other means. Yeah. I think that's so a that useful discussion. That would be a quicker have. way of dealing exactly. with it. Yeah. Yeah. The council want to come back on any of that? We're happy to, to meet with land sector to. Yeah, help just with we can work together on that yeah. and come up with a sort of. Um, I know it's not, they're never very, they're not completely accurate those things, but it gives an, an estimate, really, doesn't it, of, of the sort of leading times necessary for each each sort of element. Yeah. Um, I'll come back to you. I think there was somebody else, Mr. Birch. Thank you. Um, I echo the points that have been made previously that the stepped approach is flawed and unsound. By the LA's own um, trajectory, there will be an under-delivery overall against the requirement up until 2027. So by promoting a stepped approach, therefore, the LA are artificially reducing their housing requirement for the first five years, notwithstanding that the pressing need for housing in the district. So, so overall, I, I agree with, with all the points made previously that the stepped approach is flawed and unsound. Thank you. Yeah, I think we did. I don't know who had the thing. I was sort of working around in. I can't see your name. Sorry, it's, uh, it's got Mr. Hollingsworth. That was it. Uh, thank you, Mom. Um, just to make the observation, we were well grateful to the council for confirmation that the requirement, the reported requirement to apply step trajectory, is, is merely a function of the spatial strategy. Um, make the observation that we haven't heard any evidence from the council that there are any other circumstances which mean it is required as uh, Berndt already mentioned other authorities where stepped uh, trajectory has been found to be appropriate contrary to national policy uh, in circumstances where there were particular uh, factors which necessitated that um, as per our hearing statement again that simply confirms our view that it's symptomatic of a flaw in the spatial strategy um, and it was said by the council that the, the sites aren't there in the identified supply. And I think, again, that's just merely symptomatic of a flaw in the spatial strategy. And the key word there, I'd suggest, Mom, being identified. Um, there are other sites out there that should be. And I would appreciate that's uh, a matter for uh, stage two of the examination, but it also goes to the, the issue of the stepped trajectory. Uh, 
so again, and this is, this is merely an evidence that the spatial uh, strategy requires modification, but um, garden communities and the allocation of additional smaller sites which can deliver early are, are not two mutually exclusive things. They, they can do both. I mean, this is the... Uh, so I, don't, I don't really see why we can't simply allocate these additional sites as well as garden communities. And, and as for the Council's concerns about the uh, over-allocation of, of, uh, of land for development, well, quite clearly that, that flies in the face of what the MPPF is trying to achieve as a first point. And, and secondly, uh, we, the local plan is tasked with not merely meeting development needs, but with sufficient flexibility to respond to rapid change. And we've already heard a lot about aspirational, um, which is all very well and good, um, but you do need to have some flexibility in there as well, I suggest. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Parrott. Um, well, I think that just picks up most of the points I was going to make, actually. Um, based on the conversation we just had, I think that reinforces the need for more uh, small and medium-sized sites to be allocated. Um, given the marginal five-year housing land supply as it stands, it's clearly highly vulnerable um, to the garden communities not being delivered in the timescales envisaged. Um, and going back to the step trajectory, um, in the context of that unreliable housing delivery, it runs a great risk of, well, at, a, at the risk of repeating what other, other people have already said, uh, it runs a risk of creating a, a backlog um, and the need for the, houses, the shortfall in housing to be delivered in the back end of the plan in an extremely short time frame um, and greater contingency needs to be built up front in the plan. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Belton. No? Uh, yes. Well, with, with, with <laughs> the unholy tag team, I'll, I'll go. Um, Madam, yes, I think we, get, we agree with much of what has been said as well. It's plain, um, we would suggest, that the steps trajectory is clearly inextricably linked, to use that corny phrase, with, um, with the um, garden communities strategy. And so, in a sense, you've got to remember the points about the sustainability appraisal and the, the context and the submissions that were made yesterday about whether you should have been looking at reasonable alternatives in the context. This is one of those contexts. If you're not looking at a, an option, perhaps the two garden communities... Uh, and more flexibility elsewhere. This is the, this is the kind of problems you're going to face. That's, that's one of the reasons it goes back to reasonable alternatives. Looking forward, of course, the reality of delivery is going to be picked up in some of the matters, some, some tomorrow, but then going forward to, your, to more specific matters. So, Madam, can I, can I be brief, just, just without going to the detail of all those points? We, we've set many of them out, the issues with infrastructure delivery and so forth. Mr. Bedford mentioned... Um, 154 of the MPPF, aspirational but realistic. And I think, I think what most of us are saying to you, I think even to some extent, Mr. Warren, to be fair to him about the initial part of his garden community, is that what we're missing at the moment is an element of realism. And, and how realism translates into your task is into the, obviously into the effective test of soundness, but also at the risk of um, lawyers and planners flinging around paragraphs, and paragraphs 173 to 177 of the MPPF, also critically dealing with deliverability and viability. And you'll remember, for example, the 177 test of infrastructure delivery, that there's got to be a reasonable prospect of timely infrastructure delivery um, being delivered. 
and that's an element of soundness. And so when you put those kind of things in, in the context of the, of the current debate about deliverability into the garden communities, you have this wealth of evidence which you're going to examine going forward that, um, to say the very least, um, indicates that what is being proposed is aspirational. The, the exemplar of that, perhaps, is the, uh, the Wester Braintree Garden Community, where we have at the moment, I think, the position that the Council have accepted in their addendum of focus changes, Power 1.2, what they call an elevated risk in relation to um, the Wester Braintree in light of the North, East, uh, the North Essex inspector's findings. Um, and, and, Madam, as you know, of course, the, Uttles, the Uttlesford element of that garden community is simply not deliverable as a garden community without the Braintree element. That's been set out in the uh, Council's evidence quite clearly. And, of course, the west of Braintree garden community um, has been looked at in some detail from the North Essex point of view and found to be, as things currently stand, unviable and not justified. Uh, it is hard to see, just on that one little uh, example, but quite an important one, it is hard to see how the Uttlesford element of, of the garden community can be considered to be a realistic prospect and evidence before you at the moment, as opposed to some aspirational uh, uh, aim that the Council want to deliver. The consequence of that is the step trajectory if they insist on pursuing this. The easy answer, can I respectfully suggest, as many have already said to you, is that you can... Uh, suggest that there might be modifications that lead to alloca allocations of smaller, more flexible sites that can deliver in the short and medium term, uh, given the issues overwhelmingly evident with the garden communities. Thank you. Anybody else on that back then? I'll come back now. Mr. Shrimplin. Uh, thank you, ma'am. Um, uh, Two points. Firstly, um, just going back to the point about Guildford, which we were talking about in the step trajectory, just so that you are clear, and you, it may be clear from what you've already read, that they did include a strategic, they didn't call it a garden community, but a development of 2,000 plus units there. So the conclusions the inspector was making there about uh, that you shouldn't have a step trajectory were in the context of a development strategy that was heavily reliant upon a strategic site of that scale and in addition uh, quite a number of large sites uh, of, of you know, five, six, seven hundred units. So they managed to achieve, as I said earlier, their cake and eat it in terms of a development strategy that didn't have a step trajectory but was delivering. And the second point, can I just adopt what's been said uh, in particular uh, by uh, Ms Parsons about uh, I must say, with some incredulity, uh, the fact that uh, Barton Wilmore are saying that uh, the delivery timescales are likely to be difficult to achieve uh, and challenging. Um, Galliard Homes, White Young Green on behalf of Galliard Homes, uh, similarly say that, I quote, their site could potentially, we estimate, in suitable market conditions, begin to deliver new homes towards the end of 2023 and they wish the Council to share Galliard's confidence. And I respectfully suggest that a plan needs to be built on more than blind confidence. And I would say that the suggestion that's just been made to you um, by Landsec that the delivery timetable is not impossible is, does not meet the test of the MPPF of being realistic. Something not being impossible is not the same as something being realistic. There is a, a a cavernous difference between the two. 
Thank you. Mr Black. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, I noted what was said earlier by the Council regarding the work that had already been undertaken on the development plan documents for the, for the garden communities. I think it would be helpful for many in this room to understand exactly what has happened so far and what their timetable is for, for producing those documents. The local the development scheme on the, the website uh, was produced in October last year and, and doesn't contain many details. There was a uh, report taken to the Planning Policy Working Group back in November 2018, and that sets out a timetable. And I think the, the important thing is, is again, the, the context of this, in that they are development plan documents. They will require consultation. They require examination as well. And therefore, regardless of front-loading work, the important fact of this is when they will actually be adopted. Now, that note says that they will be adopted in March 2021. Uh, and I would suggest that regardless of work that's undertaken at the moment, the weight that you or anyone else could apply to those documents at this stage would be, in my opinion, very limited. But in any event, it would be helpful, ma'am, to have an update uh, and actually it would be helpful to have an update before tomorrow uh, before we go on to talk about these things on the progress that has already been undertaken. It is very important that we get uh, an idea of, of where things have gone. And that's in the context of trajectory, I'm making those comments. Thank you. Are you able to share those details of, as to how... Uh, some things are obviously sensitive commercially at first and you know, sorts of things, but... Uh, so, um, I was just trying to find the right statement. We've appended a, a, an update to one of our meta statements. Um, is it one of the ones for the week after next? I, I think so, yes. yes. Uh, it's number four, I think. Oh, is it four? Oh. Oh, tomorrow's. Appendix five, isn't it? I think yeah. appendix five of matter four, yeah. That's what you're after. Oh, yes, I did see this, yeah. But it doesn't really sort of say what work's done, been no. done? No, no, it, it doesn't go into a great deal of detail. If, if uh, helpful, we could look to add some detail. Um, I'm not sure yeah. we'll be able to do that overnight. Uh, I mean, it's always a difficult one, isn't it? Because regardless of where you're up, to, you're up to at the moment, you know, these things can like a piece of elastic sometimes can't they you know they can just take us you know longer or shorter it's it doesn't necessarily mean where you're up to now it gives us a clear end date almost to when it's ready for consultation does it but uh, no that this this is the position at the moment uh, yes as, as you know timetables can change um i mean have you got have you got a full draft out on paper or is it but we don't have a full draft dpd at the no, moment i mean i'm not suggesting you bring it it's not appropriate but uh You've not drafted it yet for any of them. Uh, no, we don't. We don't have anything that would be appropriate to share in in any form at the moment. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. That it's not appropriate to. Uh, and is that process ongoing for all three, or is it just the? Uh, it, it is. Uh, no, it's not ongoing for all three. So for Western Braintree, um, we consulted on an issues and options DPD 
the winter of last year uh, in, um, with, West, with Braintree District Council. However, that is at the moment paused because um, uh, Braintree don't want to do further work while, while their local plan is, is paused, understandably. Um, so that the work that we're doing at the moment with, with the new resources we've got in place is on Eastern Park and uh, North Huddlesford. But you're pursuing those too? Yeah. Ma'am, can I just add something to that when you have a moment on, on, on land sex part? Yeah. Um, uh, it's, true, um, it's true to say that there have been early discussions, but it'll be clear from what we've said, I hope in writing what I said earlier on, um, this afternoon, uh, that Landsec is um, of the view that, they are, that the shared objectives of Uttlesford and Landsec would be better met by using alternative means of procedures and so on to ensure speedy delivery. And, and that is why, as far as Eastern Park is concerned, whatever drafts or thoughts Uttlesford District Council may have had, that there is no DPD in process between us for district council and land securities. There are shared objectives, things that are bound to end up embodied somewhere, yes. but if you're thinking about a process which is becoming more and more coate, then at the moment the answer is the principles still need to be talked about as part so of this. So it's very early days then? Uh, yeah, early days to the extent that we would hope that something else in the end was progressed that would ensure speedier delivery. Than doesn't the need examination. Absolutely. And, and may I just come back very briefly while I've got the mic for the last time perhaps today. On the, um, the dates, I think Mr Shrimplin um, slightly misquoted uh, what I said on behalf of land securities. Um, with the um, type of decision we hope for in the end on the mechanism, um, so perhaps an SPD or some other means rather than a, a cumbersome and long-winded DPD process, the 24-25 date we, we, we can see as being achievable in terms of, of delivery and the 22 to 23 um, year for delivery becomes possible, whereas at the moment I think that's the one that uh, does appear in the trajectory that's really at risk if, if we have to do a DPD in the way that's being imagined. So that, that is an accurate representation of land security's position. Thank you. Do you want to comment on the um, DPD versus SPD? <laughs> uh, uh, yes, I can comment on that, but just briefly before, uh, I, I want to echo, sort of, um, what Mr Warren said in, in terms of the DPD. It is at very early stages. I don't, I don't mean to mislead you or anyone on in, in any way. It is very early stages. We have put resources in place um, People employed as of the 1st of June. Right. So, it, so that it, will be their dedicated... That's their dedicated... Their regard and community DPD person. <laughs> yes, yes, but it, it's very early days. Um, on, on the DPD-SPD issue, the Council considers that DPDs are uh, an important uh, part of meeting the garden community principles. Um, oh. It allows... The, the council to have effective control over the, um, the delivery of these very important new, new developments. Um, it allows uh, that, that control to be enshrined through, following, through additional consultations, um, allowing the public to, to shape the development of these, these communities and that, that shaping to be put into policy um, 
which, which the council then has, has control over rather than an SPD which, which is not policy as, as yeah. you know. Um, that, that additional consultation and that additional scrutiny through the examination that the council considers is important. Thank you. Mr Warren, you ought to come back or have you just forgot to put... No, I, I don't want to, to lengthen the discussion. I think we, we really are down to, to the details, I think, at that stage. But, but, I, but I hope we'll have time to debate that a little bit when we come back on the Eastern Park allocation itself. And yes. in, the, in the interim, we'll continue our discussions with the council. Yes, that's helpful. Thank you. Mr Black, do you want to say something else? Uh, yes, just very briefly, just on, on the development plan document um, part, I, I do echo what the Council has said there. It does form an important part of the garden community principles, uh, and it is a theme running through uh, the, the local plan, that those will be secured by development plan documents. So th that's written into several policies. I know we're not at that stage yet. And it's just to say, I think we've heard, in, in quite some detail that we are still at very early stages of these uh, of these discussions and therefore I do question how and, and where this confidence from the council comes that they're going to deliver more units early on it, it doesn't seem to chime no, to no, me we'll have that discussion in more detail is it a, a important point I'm conscious of the time is it, just, is it something that somebody's already said or no, it's just uh, we're going to we will repeatedly come back to the DPDSBD point. Uh, just uh, briefly, it's uh, relevant to note that the council had given in their uh, hearings matter. Uh, I think it's the matter four hearing statement a couple of examples of air action plans: Felixstowe Peninsula and Northwest Cambridge, uh, in terms of delivery timescales. We'll, we'll come back in terms of the, the the point they're making there, but it's relevant that the examples the council are quoting are DPDs. Uh, and as my colleague said, these, it's an inherent part of garden community principles and inherent part of the local plan that these are DPDs. And yet the council is being told that a DPD will mean they can't achieve their timescales. So the conclusion is quite simple that the timescales cannot be achieved. Thank you. Ms. Parsons, do you want to say anything? Yes. Um, you, you've heard the request for an update of Appendix 5 of Matter 4. I don't think anything that we've heard just now changes the need for that because uh, if you look at Appendix 5 of Matter 4 for the Council statement, you'll see that already we should have had a QCP statement on common ground and a PPA signed. Has that happened? Uh, they're supposed to be reviewing the vision prospectus documentation and commissioning the strategic master planning. That's already supposed to have happened. Has it happened? And in this month, you're supposed to be consulting the community forum. Well, usually it's good practice to give at least three weeks' notice for any consultation date, which would obviously push us into the summer holidays. So presumably there is some... I think your microphone's gone. <laughs> While you're doing that, is there slippage in this timetable or are you on track? Uh, I think we're on track. I, right. We can provide an update, like I say, just probably not overnight. Oh, right. So, yeah, you can provide an update, um, I suppose, for next week. Uh, the week after next, it would be useful if we can have that update. Okay. Then. Yes. Okay. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Is that everybody's comments on the trajectory? So, we're on to question 
eight. It's just coming up to 20 past three. I wonder if we just have a short 10-minute break just to allow people to stretch their legs. I think this next one will probably take a little um, time as well, although we've probably covered some of the ground already. So, um, so if we just take a break until half past three and then come back and we'll deal with the rest of the, uh, I think, matter eight. I think matter nine's probably been dealt with partly by the modification um, the change suggested by the council um, and then we'll try and get onto employment land and hopefully finish the whole lot today <laughs> okay so we'll see you at half past three
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold your meeting. Is everybody back? Looks, oh, Mr. Star, we'll just wait for Mr. Star. Unless does he look like he's gone home? Or does Mr. Star look like? Oh, oh, is he coming? Right, okay. Okay, so before we start this session, I think it might be useful just to be clear that we all have the same document before us that we're working to, because I think there's there are a number of different documents with tables in and things. And if, uh, as I understand it, the council have been working to the document. Um, yeah, that's the one with my scribblings on. Um, it's 1103.2. Is that the one for the? Yeah. So there's a table at the back which is tab uh, Appendix 2, trajectory data. That's so, question 8. The soundness of proposals for the land allocations in the plan will be considered at stage 2 of the examination. So obviously anybody that's been to examinations before we go into that in much more detail when we look at specific allocations. Um, however, on the basis of the plan as submitted, is it realistic that they would provide for a supply of specific deliverable sites to meet the housing requirement for five years from the point of adoption, that's A, and B, a supply of spe specific deliverable sites or broad locations for growth for years six to ten? And I think with this particular plan, it's probably point A that needs most um, discussion. I think there's probably little disagreement about B because that's potentially when these um, um, garden communities are more likely to be delivering etc. I think it's sort of round about that middle period people are concerned about as well so around year five I think maybe five, six, seven some people said as well um, where it's potentially a bit fragile. I don't think it's probably not worth. I don't think the council need to say anything on this particular or introduce it in any way. Is there anything you want to say? No, I think we'll just hear from people and then um, come back to. We've obviously got the update in terms of the windfall, which is quite helpful. Um, 
So just to confirm, it's 5.03, the council is saying now, is the, um, is the figure. Who wants to start? Mr Dixon again. <laughs> I thought, why not? Let's, uh, <laughs> let's keep the trend going. Um, thank you, Mum. And thank you again for your introduction. Um, it's now 5.03, um, as we heard earlier. However, given the discussion that we have just had, where I think Landsec described using the most positive wording they could come up with as 50 dwellings in the final year of the five-year period being possible, and it was raised to you um, by... Ms. Parsons, that you sh should consider whether possible equals a realistic prospect that housing will be delivered in that period. That's clearly something I'll leave you to go away and consider. However, the conclusion is clear. If that 50 dwellings were to come out of the five-year housing land supply, there now would no longer be a five-year housing land supply. That is also based on an assessment that has a base date of the 1st of April 2018. We are now after the 1st of April 2019 and the Council has stated earlier this morning that it's working to provide you with an update. The question you have to consider is whether there will be a five-year land supply from the point of adoption and it's notable that the Council has not sought to answer that question. We, as have others, and we have similar figures in our evidence, and ours is in Table 3 of our Matter 5 hearing statement, have concluded that starting with the year 2019-2020, for six or seven years after that, the Council will not be able to demonstrate a five-year land supply. And the reason for this is because of the chart on the front page of the examination document you've just referred to. You can see there is a noticeable dip in supply. So we don't have a five-year land supply, a five-year supply of demonstrable deliverable sites from the point of adoption. It reaches a depth of three point something years with an annual shortfall of 775 dwellings. The only conclusion that one can reach from this is that more deliverable specific sites, specific deliverable sites need to be identified in the short to medium term to bolster that supply and ensure that on an ongoing basis this authority can demonstrate a five-year housing land supply. Otherwise, it will adopt the plan and find itself in the same position it was beforehand of being challenged. I say all of this bearing in mind that the supply that has been considered by the authority has been considered on the basis of the 2012 MPPF test of deliverability and that once the plan is adopted, we move on to considering the supply using the more rigorous 2019 test of deliverability. And at certain other local plan examinations, the inspectors have quite understandably asked whether the supply, as demonstrated by the council in that case, would continue to be over five years if the new tests of deliverability were applied. At the moment, I've seen nothing from the authority that has done that. So what I have seen is a set of figures that suggest that from 2019-20 onwards, around about the time the plan will hopefully be adopted, there won't be a supply. But equally, from that point on, 
applying the more rigorous test, the supply would be even worse than not being a supply. Thank you. When you uh, just to clarify, you, what you mean is there'll be less than five years supply, that's what you say? Yes, exactly. Um, just to give you a rough guide to that, whilst the Council's statement sets out its claimed 5.1 year supply on the basis of a start date of April 2018, the figure it's using in applications and appeals applying the new 2019 test of deliverability is 3.29 years. So roughly 1.7 years disappears off its supply as a result of applying the new test of deliverability. Thank you. Do you want to come back on that point or do you want to wait and we'll do a few together? What's, what would you prefer? Um, are, are you making similar points or is it something quite... Yes, I was going to make a similar point. Okay. But, but just going to the heart of the, the test in the, in the MPPF about it being justified, effective and realistic appears to be none of those. Thank you. Mr. Belton. Thank you, Mark. Um, I completely concur with what you just heard in terms of the five-year housing land supply. Um, as we'll talk about more tomorrow, um, if a DPD is a requirement of the garden communities, we will put to you tomorrow that we can't see that any of the three garden communities will be in a position to deliver by 2022. Um, but the point I wanted just to make, in addition to what you've already heard, is just picking up on what you said about probably the main focus being on years one to five. Um, I think it's also important to look at the longer term picture as well, because if the garden community sites are delayed, you need to look at what's happening in the final year of the plan period. And just taking the council's trajectory, there's 750 houses planned to be delivered by garden communities in that final year. So if everything slips back by just one year, yes, you, leave a, you leave a big uh, wadge off the end. Now, others may say, well, you don't need to worry about that because we can um, deliver more over the, the remaining years of the plan period. But um, we would say that there is a finite amount of growth that, you can, that the market can absorb, if you like, from garden communities in what is a relatively small geographical area. Um, at the peak, we're already saying there's going to be 750 units um, being delivered at garden community sites and I think if we were looking at numbers that were increasing much above that to try and recover the loss of one or two years I think it would become pretty challenging to accept that that was sound and justified. So I think these delays to the garden communities are having both a short, medium and long term impact on the trajectory um, and really is pointing to what we said already that um, there is a gap that needs to be filled. Thank you. Mrs Kerrigan. Uh, thank you. Yes, um, I agree with the, the points that have been raised so far um, in terms of the, the five-year supply going forward. But I just wanted to add one other point. Um, in the Council's hearing statement um, in paragraph 6.3, they refer to Appendix 1, which um, provides an update on allocations and sites with planning permissions which had not commenced since April 2018. Um, when you read through that appendix, there are a number of changes to some of the sites listed. Um, but in particular, um, just drawing attention to a site on page 24, which is in Great Dunmo, 
land west of Chansford Road. Um, 120 units are indicated to be delivered um, within the five-year period 2018-19 onwards. However, if you look in the comment section, it states that the agent proposes amending the details, changing 120 dwellings in years 1 to 5 to 0. So given that we've heard today that with the reduction in the windfall sites that it's now reduced to 5.03, that if those 120 units are not expected to come forward in those five years, then that would bring the figure below five years. Thank you. Um, Mr. Barrett. I'd like to concur with what's just been said, uh, really, and uh, what's gone before me in terms of the five-year land supply. I think in our Appendix 1, we've set out our, our figures uh, on the basis of the, the Council's evidence. Obviously, that will change, and, uh, but regardless of, uh, of the changes, having a look at them over lunchtime, uh, you know, the, there still isn't that five-year supply uh, through that, that period, uh, 2021 to, through to 2026-27. Um, so, considering MPPF really requires... Uh, there to be a five-year land supply at all points during the plan period. It's important that that, that is the case. I think especially coming back to a point made earlier by um, the Parish Council with, with regard to uh, the impacts on infrastructure of, of uh, speculative developments. And actually what your council should be doing is looking to plan for those homes, to plan for the infrastructure and to plan for, the, uh, to, for that need. It will give it its flexibility so it doesn't have to, to fight on appeal. Uh, doesn't lo lose on appeal if it doesn't have that five-year land supply. So there are actually significant benefits from planning for a, for, a, for a greater level of flexibility in securing that development and securing the infrastructure that's required to go along with it. I think that's why we have a plan-led system to try, try and avoid that. So I think the basis of trying to plan so incrementally against your five-year supply and against your overall supply, just it, 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 it doesn't work well within that plan-led system. You need to over-provide to ensure that actually what you're doing is meeting that need, ensuring you meet that need, but then you're also planning for the infrastructure that goes alongside it. Thank you. Ms. Parrott, you've recovered here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we would argue, actually, that the assumptions that have been applied to the calculation of the five-year housing land supply that is presented in both Appendix 3 of the local plan and also the latest housing trajectory uh, are not robust uh, nor justifiable. Uh, the Council have used both the Liverpool method and, obviously, the stepping of the housing trajectory in order to calculate the five-year housing land supply, both of which uh, effectively um, push the... Uh, spread the shortfall sort of best case across scenario. the whole plan yes. period. Yeah, um, yeah and, and the justification that's given for doing that is because of the um, greater delivery plans through the garden communities. But we would contend that actually it's precisely, precisely because of that um, that this is not an appropriate way to, uh, to use to, to calculate the five-year housing land supply. Um, and we did an exercise just to compare if you're using an annual average uh, and the Sedgefield method, which I would point out is also the preferred method in the PPG. Um, 
and on that basis for the period that's presented in Appendix 3, so uh, for the period 2017-18 to excuse me, sorry. Uh, yeah, 2017-18 to 2021-22, um, we came up with a 4.47 year supply. Notwithstanding, some of those figures have now changed anyway, but um, clearly there's um, some suppression of, um, of the housing requirement through the assumptions that have been applied. Thank you. Mr Black. Uh, thank you. Uh, just following on and trying to uh, not go down the route too much in terms of site specifics, but uh, if you turn to, to Appendix 1 of the, the Matter 5 um, statement from, from the Council, there is the list there uh, which sets out the status of, of residential allocations and uncommenced permissions, which is some of the same data that you've already taken to. And in there, there's a, there's, there's a few other anomalies um, within that data. The, the second site down there, Debden Land West of Thaxted Road, that was refused at committee in February this year. Um, and my understanding is it was refused on, on grounds of prematurity of, of, against the plan. There are a number of others as you move down that list where they've either been refused very recently or are uh, in a state where a planning application is currently awaiting a decision. So there is really a question that if the, the council is choosing to refuse applications at this stage um, and if they are expecting those uh, sites to deliver and that those sites have to go through an appeal process, we're aware of the, the timescales involved in those appeals at the moment, it brings into doubt the delivery of those sites by 2023, given where we're currently at in that timescale. And there's, there's a number of sites there which I, can, I could take you to, um, but where you have applications that are, are well, in. useful just to flag those up, because it, I and probably some, some other people might, might not be aware of some of those local circumstances. Uh, yeah, so, so certainly that, that Debden so Deb one, one. Uh, initially. Uh, you have then the, on the next page uh, the, the one that's FEL2. Uh, again, that was refused um, in November 2018. Uh, um, it says refused August 19. I can't quite make sense. We're not there yet. It must be a typo. Um, but it says appeal outstanding. That's not They refused it last week. Sorry. It's not a typo, it was repeated last week. It says 8th of August, 19th. Yeah, so. <laughs> it must have been 8th of August. It was like literally last week, you Okay. So that's quite a recent uh, refusal. You've then further down on, on this, uh, onto the next page, Great Eastern is again kind of draft allocation. A lot of these are still at draft stages. So is this GTEAS1? Yeah. Uh, and equally the next one down, 19 units. So there are a number there that are still at obviously very draft stages.
and that's that's it really just bringing your attention to that but i think it would be helpful to hear from the, the council in terms of their position around yes. accepting applications on those yes. prior to adoption of the plan yeah mr Baird. yes Might be useful, I think, maybe for the council. Was you wanted to point out any more on that list, or there's a different comment? Right, I'll just ask the council to comment on those and, and maybe sort of where we're up to so far in terms of. Um... Ma'am, could I, as just as an sorry. adjunct to that question, could I also ask? Well, I note that a couple of these have been refused recently, and obviously there's been a political change at the council. With the council, could I ask through you uh, as an adjunct to that question? whether that, that political change is having an influence or whether, uh, in, in these decisions, given that at least two we've, have been refused okay, recently. I mean, the, the officer might not be able to answer that, but... Um... Uh, no, I can't answer no, that question. No, I, I understand that. So. Um, but the other questions, you probably can, the more factual... Yes, other more factual questions I can answer. Um, so I'd, I'd like to make three key points. Um, first one relates to five-year housing land supply. We have a calculation which at the moment indicates uh, 5.03 years. Uh, a number of people have made the point that if you run the numbers looking in future years, then there is a lack of five-year housing land supply. Um, the, the council contends that you can't do that, though. The, the data in the... In the um, in the trajectory at the moment indicates what the council thinks the the, um, the the delivery will be on sites but you can't know what that's going to be until you get to that point in the future and running so running that that calculation is not a not an appropriate thing to do to get a, an accurate determination of five-year housing land supply presumably the council kind of have that sort of somewhere in the in the back of your mind when you're looking at this because you need to be sort yes. of looking ahead a little bit and planning for these uh, yes. policy so changes and things it, it gives you a, a, a glimpse into the future but it does not give you an accurate assessment right. uh, and that's linked to my second point um, appendix one to the matter statement is provided to to like I say provide a little update on, on some of the, the sites but it, it is not um, it's not appropriate to pick sites out on an individual basis and seek to amend the five-year housing land supply calculation in that way. It, it's a, that doing so is piecemeal. Uh, it ignores other uh, sites which are coming for The council could ref start referring to other sites which have been granted permission in the last year or so and, and saying that they're, they're going to be delivered, but we don't think that's appropriate. We think it's appropriate to do a, a comprehensive five-year housing land supply assessment and, and, a, and a comprehensive trajectory looking at all in one go rather than um, picking off individual sites as going to be approved or that they've now lapsed or there's problems or whatever. So this is called uh, status of residential allocations and uncommenced permissions. That indicates that it's a full... It, it, it's, not, it's not a full uh, five-year housing land supply uh, paper. No, but it's everything that's got permission at the moment that's outstanding, is it? Uh, no, uh, well, 
but we've, we've not sought to run the calculation um, right. because we've not, we've, not, we've not been out on site and measured all the completions um, and, and uh, taken right. into account the, the sites. We've not done all the calculations yes, yet. Yes, so you need to look at both sides. And, yeah, yeah. You, you need to all in one go in a comprehensive manner. Do you know when that's going to be available, updated? Uh, I can't give you a date, I'm afraid. Um, we have people out on site. If they're not out today, they were out a couple of days ago. Um, so it, site visits are ongoing. Right, so it's not going to be available the week after next? It, it's not going to be available to, to inform the week after next, no. Right, okay. Uh, and the, the third point I wanted to make was in relation to the, um, uh, the Liverpool methodology. Um, someone suggested that it's not appropriate to use the Liverpool methodology. Um, in, with regards to this calculation of five-year housing land supply, that is, um, it, it doesn't have a, an impact as to whether the Liverpool methodology or the Sedgefield methodology is used as there is no uh, shortfall to assign over the later years. I think those were the three points I wanted to make. The other point was made, wasn't it, about Eastern Park and the discussion we had earlier about the sort of fragility of that um, start date and presumably you accept that if, if that does slide then the five year supply would be less than five if years. If, that, if that's cleared, then yes, the, the 50 home loss would result in us not having a five-year land supply. Madam, if I could just add a point which is not, I think, directly relevant to the five-year land supply point because uh, it uh, is unlikely to affect it. But you will know, given the remarks that you uh, have heard from people saying that the issue is not just the five-year land supply but relates to later on in the plan period. You will, of course, know that since um, this plan, as it were, began its preparation process, there is the new mandatory duty of review, which obviously will yes. now bite. So in terms Ideas. of that longer-term picture, that's part of, obviously, the context you need to think about, that it's not, as it were, this is the one-stop shop to get it right no. to 2033. There will be plan milestones, if yeah. you like, yeah. to... Um, So I just uh, wanted to come back on that point about the Liverpool methodology and the fact that there is a surplus. That's true if we are using the step trajectory. Um, if we're not using 568 as a target, that may well not be the case. Um, yes. Thank you. to answer that point. Did you hear what was said? Yes. Uh, not having the calculation in front of me, I can't confirm or, or deny whether that's the case. Um, but no, I don't. No, I'd, I'd, I'd need to, to have run. a look at that. Yeah. Okay. And we will, we will look at this in more detail at the, um, at the stage two hearings as well. Well, so we've still got quite a lot of people. I'll come back to you in a moment because you obviously spoke. Is there anybody that's not spoken yet? Mr. Behrman, you was next, wasn't you? Yesterday afternoon when I spoke about 
the potential small and medium-sized sites available for development in the environs of Bishop Stortford. There was a one-word reply from the Council Greenbelt. Few in this room, I would surmise, would not wish to see the Greenbelt ripped up. But in view of what we've heard this afternoon, I would suggest that perhaps the Council should take a serious look at their Greenbelt policy. There are small pockets of Greenbelt which would not intrinsically damage their overall policy. We heard from somebody in, from Hatfield Heath and his, the answer he received was, we don't want a Swiss cheese. Well, if it was approached in a reasonable way, we wouldn't have a Swiss cheese. It would be possible to get out of this conundrum of the one to five year land supply by looking at the Greenbelt policy. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Dixon. Thank you, ma'am. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I did a Section 78 appeal in this room, and I had stuck to the front of my proof of evidence a post-it that said, answer the question. Um, and I can't help um, coming back to that point. The council has just said to you that it can demonstrate a five-year land supply now and it's impossible to use the figures in the trajectory to calculate a potential five-year land supply in the future. That's all we have. Your question is whether there would be a supply of specific deliverable sites to meet the housing requirement for five years from the point of adoption. All the council has been able to tell you is that as of last April, they had a 5.03 year supply. All of the evidence that's being given to you by the Council uncontestably indicates that there will not be a five-year supply from the point of adoption. Which is the question that you've asked. Do you want to deal with that, Mr Miles? Thank you, yes. Um, so Mr Dixon said that I said uh, that you can't use the figures to identify potential five-year housing land supply. I, that's not what I said. I said that you can't use the figures in here to determine what the five-year housing land supply would be in the future. I did say that it allows you to give a glimpse of what it could be, and I mean, you could infer from that that it does give you a potential five-year housing land supply. But my point was that it doesn't give you what it, what it actually will be, taking into account sites with permission uh, and all the, all the other data at that point in time. No, so you can't sort of predict it accurately because you don't know where you're going to be six yeah, months yes, or it, even it, next week. Or but at this point, in, uh, as you see it at the moment, do you anticipate that on adoption there would be a five-year housing land supply? I understand that you agree that is the case, that would be the case. But at the moment, we say that we have a five-year housing land supply at the moment and we will have to update our figures to determine what the five-year housing land supply would be in the future. Right. But we need to know what, whether on adoption, and that's quite a common requ uh, question, requirement, that on adoption you have a five-year housing land supply. So we don't want to get to the point of the last day of an examination and suddenly we find that there isn't a, a robust five-year housing land supply. So we need to kind of know as the process is going on, if you like, and... Um, 
I, mean, I, th I, th I think that, I mean, there, is, there is a conundrum in that part of the uh, MPPF and the related mm. PPG advice, because on the one hand, uh, certainly uh, the recent practice of doing five-year land supply calculations has, to do a, has been to do a historic exercise uh, and not, as it were, to project forward anticipated completions and count them as if they had already happened. Yeah. There, there was a time, I'm sure you will remember, in the not-too-distant past where people did do that, yeah. and that was thought to be a way of doing it's it. It's not but particularly that's been, reliable. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that has been, as it were, um, uh, uh, fallen out of favour as an approach. So I say, inevitably, you're doing it on a historic basis, but, uh, which has the benefit that you are then working with known data so you've you know, reduced the uncertainties that there are inherent in any uh, such process. Uh, but that also then means that uh, if you're asking yourself the question at a point of time, um, you are inevitably using a base date which is in the past. The only question really is, well, how far in the past can a base date be to still allow you to make a meaningful judgment at the time that you're mm -hmm. making the judgment? Obviously, we, we have traditionally done things in terms of a housing year, uh, and you would normally only expect to update once a year. Mm. So inevitably, you can be up to at least a year away from it, and that's the norm. All that we're saying at the moment is that the base date that is the current base date is 1st of April 2018. We obviously don't quite know how this examination will pan out in terms of the final timetable, etc. But if one said, well, it's entirely conceivable to imagine that this plan could be adopted in quarter one of 2020, or before quarter one of 2020, so you know, obviously the rest of this year and then so on to allow, assuming you know, possibly some modifications, consultation on that, I say, I've built all that in, you would then be simply saying, well, if the plan was adopted in quarter one of 2020, would there be a five-year land supply at that point? Well, again, on the known data as we've got it in the room at the moment, it would be legitimate to still think, well, you can look at 1st of April 2018, and that would be appropriate. Obviously, if before we get to that point during the course of the examination, uh, there does become available the monitoring data for 1st of April 2019, that could be taken into account. But until that point, I don't really think you have a choice no. And, and the speculative exercises that many of the others in the room have been doing are subject to the problem that they are building in different uncertainties to the process by having to sort of rely on, as it were, projections rather than their own data. I would like to add that um, we would expect the data to be available before quarter one of 2020. Right, okay. Well, hopefully before that. Well, well in advance of that, yes. Yes. So if we said, I mean, often it seems to be about September, it seems to be, our councils often yeah. seem to produce this sort of... Last year we published it in October, so, yeah. but that was because we were holding off for the 2016 uh, population project household right, projections yes. to be available so uh, and I think it was either late August or early September. That's usually about the time isn't yeah. it? Mr Barron. Just a, a quick query in terms of uh, what the council just said 
in that the five-year land supply is by and large a, uh, a projection uh, in terms of what you think is going to happen. So it is possible, looking at the trajectory, and then the, this is a trajectory that the Council thinks will happen, mm. to consider it further in advance. And it's not a, uh, an exercise that, that is uncommon. Uh, and actually, as you all know, and, and we all know, that the, it is undertaken to look at where, when it's adopted, because there is no point in having a plan that doesn't have a five-year land supply and adoption and is completely out of date as soon as it's, uh, as soon as it's adopted. And that's the reason why we do it. And it, it is an assessment in terms of... Uh, what might happen, but it, it, inevitably a five-year land supply is a, a test of what, uh, what might happen, um, given the evidence that's available. So I don't think it's, it is a, uh, an element that cannot be considered. I think it is an important one to be considered, and ensuring that there is the sufficient flexibility within that supply to ensure that, to give you confidence, Mom, that, that, that you're not going to say, yes, I find this plan sound, and then the very next day it's adopted, yeah. it, it goes to a Section 78 appeal, and it's not found. Uh, it's found to be out of date. And obviously, as I say, we'll, we'll deal with this in greater detail as well later in the year. Uh in the examination process and hopefully by then there, there will be a more up-to-date uh, document. Mr Black and then Mr Bampton. Uh, thank you. I think this really chimes through to the responsibilities of the Council under paragraph 47 of the, the old MPPF in which this is being examined. Uh, and that's quite clear in terms of the, the, the requirements of the Council uh, and they are required to illustrate the expected rate of housing delivered through a housing trajectory for the plan period and set out a housing implement implementation strategy for the full range of housing describing how they will maintain how they will maintain delivery of a five year housing land supply to meet the housing target so that is a requirement that they do have to set that out and the evidence that you've been presented the information shows that they're not doing that and I think it goes then to the heart of, of what the HPF were just saying. In choosing to present to you a plan where the five-year housing land supply is so marginal, they can't say with any certainty that that is going to be maintained. It is highly likely that, that even if we get to that point, that they'll be presenting you a plan where there isn't that right at the start. And you can see from the housing trajectory that that isn't maintained. Thank you. Thank you. At the same point. Okay, Mr. Dixon. Thank you, ma'am. Just to come back on a couple of brief points. Um, the council have just stated that the uh, evidence that they presented with you, presented you with, shows that there could be a supply at the point of adoption. It does not show that. We've provided a calculation, as have others, and although the figures very slightly, they all show the same thing. Simply by using the council's own data, not by applying anything else that we've done to it, that shows that from 2019-20 from onwards, there would be a 4.52 year supply. This is table three in our statement. In 2020-2021, there would be a 4.37 year supply. In 2021-22, there'd be a 4.09 year supply. In 2022-2023, there will be a 3.95-year supply. In other words, by the time we get to April just gone, at no point from there on does the Council's evidence show that there will be a supply. So I've struggled to see how that can then be interpreted to show 
to result in a comment that it shows that there could be. And just to support the other comment made, all calculations of five-year housing land supply are looking forward in time. They all are assumptions. None of it is fixed definitive data. The only thing we can work from is what the local authority give us. Certainly we can apply our own interpretation to it, but we haven't been doing that. We've only been adding up the figures supplied by the council, and that suggests that from the April just gone onwards, there will not be a five-year housing land supply. And it comes back to the point I made in um, closing my first comment, was that that's on the basis of the 2012 NPPF test of deliverability. Day after adoption, the 2019 NPPF test of deliverability applies, and certainly, to support the comment again made earlier, your interest, ma'am, is in, in making sure that this authority can put together a plan and adopt a plan that won't be challenged the day afterwards. Thank you. Yeah, so, do you want to come back? I think. Just on one point, I think I've covered all of it uh, in previous statements. However, on, on the fact that uh, Mr. Dixon said there's no definitive data as part of a five-year housing land supply, um, uh, of course, it's right. It's projecting development forward in the future. But the, the data that is definitive is, is the completions. And, and updating that on a, on a yearly basis does update definitive data of things that have happened in reality. Thank you. I've got no further questions. Some of the points I had were... Um, I'm not sure we need to necessarily... It's probably worth just running through them quickly. Um, on Appendix 2 of the trajectory, so this is the document with a graph on the front. In fact, I'm not sure it's... But these are the things that have been updated, aren't they? So it's maybe not worth really going through. These will be being updated in, in the yes. work that's going on. There were a few, a few where I was... They were um, showing completions in sort of 1920, etc. Um, but they only appeared to be outlined permissions that, from the date, it looked like they'd expired. But I don't really explain. Uh, I, I, well, the new data will, will update this um, regarding any. So they might fall off the list, kind of, because of. Um, They've not got an, they've if, got if, an if applications have lapsed, then they, they will fall off the list if yes. they've been completed. So it might be worth waiting for that rather than. But yeah, there were a few where it, they appeared, but on the basis of sort of you, you don't have the full details on these sort of lists. You, it's quite scant some of the detail. That, uh, but doing the figures, it, I couldn't understand how they were going to provide houses unless there was some missing data. So there was one in Great Dunmoreland, west of Chelmsford Road. Um, it appeared to be an outline permission from what I could glean from the planning reference number uh, and the date of the permission was 2014 for 370 houses then there was another one further down for 790 houses and they were showing delivery sort of in the, within the five year period looking forward that we were looking at um, but I didn't know whether I'd missed something. There was some some data that was that I'd missed there. Uh, I, I think well, 
I'd have to provide an update on these outside of the... Right, so yeah, so we'll wait until that update comes um, for those, but I think it might be worth going through and just double-checking some of those when you do that, because... Uh, my agenda right. so I think we've covered all of eight is there anything anybody we've covered five year supply and we've touched on six to ten years as well all as part of that um, I think I've got quite a clear idea as to people's concerns the, the council's point of view etc um, question nine is about um, should the five year supply of housing land include anticipated windfall sites in the calculation and I think the council have addressed that which hopefully um, deals with some of the concerns. Is there any, any outstanding points anybody wants to make on that? No? Okay. And the final question, um, have the council carried out an assessment, this is really a question for the council, an assessment as required by section 8 of the Housing Act of the needs of people in the district residing in caravans um, or houseboats and I think that um, if I'm a statement led to a main modification as far as I can remember I don't think this is something that anybody else particularly raised I think off the top of my head I've lost the statement's got buried somewhere but uh, oh here it is the gist of it was that you haven't got anybody living in houseboats I think and there was a modification to deal with was the, the well, that's maybe a point. No, that, I'm thinking of something else, I think, to do with the Egypty and Traveller section, isn't it? So you said, yes, this has formed part of the Essex South End on Sea and Thurrock Gypsy and Traveller show people accommodation assessment. Uttlesford GTA explains in paragraphs 5.25 to 5.28 that there is a total additional need for 10 pitches over the GTA period 2033. And there are no people um, in the district residing in houseboats, only sort of leisure craft. Um, so this was to take account of the people, and we, we'll cover it probably in the gypsy and traveller section. It's the people that fall now between two stools, effectively. So this problem that's created by the uh, de definition of gypsy and traveller in the uh, PPTS. But I think should we leave it till the gypsy and traveller section to deal with that, I think, because it's not something, as I'm aware, anybody in, in the rooms particularly wants to, to speak on. And then we can move on to um, employment. So we'll just have a five-minute break before we deal with employment, because I think some people might want to leave now. Um, some people might want to move forward if there's vacant seats at the front. Um, so we'll say about five minutes, but we'll obviously wait till everybody finds their seats again.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Okay, if everybody can take the seats for the next session or... Um, I don't know whether Mr Warren's gone or... I don't know. I'll just wait for a few more people to leave and then we'll, uh, we'll start. Okay, I think it's quiet and down enough now to uh, to be able to continue. So we're on the employment land section, as I said, and then we'll come back to the gypsy and traveller, which people are welcome to stay for if you want to, but um, nobody's eligible to take part in the discussion. Um, so in terms of employment land, this is policy SP4 of the plan, and there is um, one... As far as I can see, only one main modification, and that was a number correction from 14,000 to 16,000. I've obviously had confusion between the 14,000 in the housing numbers and the, uh, and then this is obviously 16,000. So you can kind of see where that's happened. Am I right? That was the only main modification. Yes, it's yes. a. Yeah. 
A typo, typo, typo yes. managed to creep in between full council and the publication version. Yes. So although it's a typo, I think that probably does need to be a main modification because it's it, it, for anybody yes. that's... Yeah, it's, it's. So I've got various documents in front of me. I'll just run through them quickly like we did this morning with the housing ones just in case I need to get anything else. And I might, I might not need all of these. But 600.2, which is the West Essex and East Hearts Assessment of Employment Needs... 600.4 uh, commercial workspace study, 600.5 the Hardesty Jones Associates um, September 2015 document and the updated Hardesty Jones, so um, can't read the first word because it's on white, ensuring I think robust employment evidence for the Uttlesford local plan final report September 2018 which is probably the most up to date and relevant data as far as I could See. Do the council want to say anything in introduction before we start, or are you happy just get on with it? Happy to just get on with right, it. Right, that's fine. So the first point on the agenda is um, what is the overall need for this employment land that has been identified? So there's a few questions all in one here. What is the evidence for this? What is the situation regarding existing commitments and the residual need for additional land allocations? And what is the past trend in take-up rates for employment land? Um, so that's sort of a, a series of questions. Uh, and this is at the end of the Hardesty Jones associate document, the one I've just referred to, the most recent one. Is there some policy wording relating to garden communities in there? Is it the intention of the council to insert that into the plan or one of the DPDs? Or? Um. The, I wasn't sure what it was, Icar. So it's evolved slightly since then. Um, the modifications document. So there, there was some modification proposed, I think, as part of our matter eight statement, right? Yes, um, which suggests in, uh, taking the um, employment land figures suggested in, in this latest work from from Hardesty uh, Jones um, and incorporating that into the garden communities policies to give an, an indicative figure of for the amount of employment land that we would expect. Uh, on the garden communities. Okay, so we can deal with that then as well. So it's, for anybody that's uh, not seen it, it's pages 8 to I think about 15, possibly a bit more. Yeah, and then there's a, an appendix as well, isn't there, on the back of that. Um, so we can, that's helpful just to clarify that. Um, there was a couple of other questions which I'll ask before we get into people speaking. It appears that we've seen a lot of B1, B2 and B8 floor space. Do you know where that is? Has there any, been any work on... I think I sort of read that. I think it was in this report of Hardesty Jones that there appeared to be a... or a lack of demand. It's something that's... No. Sorry, I'm not sure I follow the, the question. So it's trying to understand what, where that's coming from. So I, whether it appears that there's a loss of B1, B2A and B8 floor space. I think 
from memory it was a, a lack of demand. I wasn't, it's difficult to know sometimes whether a lack of demand is because the, the, um, there isn't the provision. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit of a chicken and egg sometimes, isn't it? So it can appear that nobody wants it, but it's because there isn't any. And so I might ask uh, Mr Hardesty to, to speak to that report. Um, no, not, I will. Um, I don't believe that we've said there is a lack of demand or, or a or an anticipated reduction in demand for B1 or B8. I think in some of our work there's a forecast decline in manufacturing employment, um, but actually there is an ongoing requirement for industrial premises as a result of um, ongoing replacement demand as well. So I don't think there's anywhere in our research that we've suggested a, a negative um, right, future okay, requirement for any typology, uh, although we, we accept that there have been there have been losses, but there have also been substantial gains over the historic period. Okay, thank you. And does it seem to follow the national tr a national trend here in Uttlesford in terms of what seems to be happening with employment land requirements? Yes, yes. I mean, we work uh, widely across the UK doing um, similar studies, and I would, wouldn't suggest that the, the pattern that's coming here out of the research is anything atypical. Yeah, so there is, there is a requirement and there is development activity <coughs> across all B use classes. Um, yes. So it's a normal sort of trend that's happening here, not unique to this particular area? No. no. There are obviously specific drivers in particular locations, but the broad um, pattern is not particularly unusual. Okay, thank you. Mr Powney. Thank you, ma'am. Um, obviously, I was here yesterday talking to some points, so I'll... I'll um elaborate and, and obviously yeah. be on point for Have you got your mic? Today. Oh, you have got your microphone on here. It didn't sound like it was... You hear me now? It might be wearing down a bit now as it's half past four, mightn't it? It's, it's fallen asleep. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, obviously, our, our main point is that we think the, the Council's estimate of uh, 22 hectares of industrial and warehouse need uh, over the planned period is a drastic underestimate of, of market realities, as I discussed yesterday. In our Matter 5 representations, we feel the baseline need for industrial and warehousing is 40 to 50 hectares. Um, we've given you an extremely detailed market assessment as to why that is. Um, I would say Uttlesford, particularly the areas around the M11 and the airport, are one of the strongest areas, not only in Uttlesford, but the functional economic market area. Because the airport is the fourth biggest airport in the country. It is growing significantly faster than other airports such as Gatwick and Heathrow. And those ingredients come together to make it a prime area of demand for warehousing and industrial. If we get back to, to the question on point, there is a lot of evidence that the Council has prepared, employment evidence. We count seven different documents and, and notes. The problem with them is they all seem to disagree with each other and come up with different conclusions and have slightly different assumptions. Case in point was the original employment land review from 2016, warehouse demand of 13.6 to 18.2 hectares done by the same consultant only a year later, came up with 
drastically reduced um, industrial demand of 2.5 hectares to 10.5 hectares. And then obviously the West Essex and East Hearts assessment of employment, I believe done by Hardesty Jones, is the stronger of the three, but still comes up with too small a requirement of 22 hectares. And the common denominator through all of those evidence-based studies is their methodological approach, looking at employment projections and have very, very limited regard for market realities and very limited regard for deliverability and viability. And I'll talk about how these are are very key requirements in the MPPF and just about you need to do them to get your employment land strategy correct. And I think the case in point is, is just to, to, to demonstrate that. If you look at Appendix 1 of the, the West Essex and East Hearts Assessment of Employment, it says Appendix 1 has got a list of consultees. I can't see in that list of consultees for this very important document projecting employment need. Which, is, are we, which one are we on now? This 600.5, isn't it? Yeah, it's the West Essex and East Hearts Assessment of Employment Needs, Need right. 2017. 600.2, yeah. Yeah. So if you look in Appendix 1, the list of consultees, it's government agencies and council officers. Important to be consulted, yes, but I do not see in there one, in, one commercial investor, developer, funder, or commercial agent. And this is a problem with all of this evidence base. The methodological approach should be the start and the middle, but it should be contextualised in market realities, deliverability and viability. And it's a significant omission in the Council's evidence base moving, moving forward. If I now focus on those things, the market signals as I spoke to yesterday, industrial and warehouse availability in Uttlesford is 0.7%. That is beyond critical. And I think I've got a quote here. It's just not Savills. Um, we've worked a lot with a prominent local agent uh, in uh, cloak gearing. And I, I take a, a point from uh, their analysis, um, which is also in the Savills report. And I think it really, it, it, it just adds on the, the Savills analysis. They point, and this is in 5.4.2 of the Savills Matter 5 statement, they say the lack of availability is at a critical point. The supply of available stock no longer exists in the local area. This is leading to economic growth issues and restrictions. Amongst all 25 of the established industrial locations within two miles of the airport, only one has, only, has any availability. Overall, availability in the 25 estates is 0.7%. However, during the drafting of the report, Coke Gearing became aware that the available units went under offer. Therefore, as of the 22nd of February 2019, there was effectively no availability in the local market. Now, I think that in isolation with the Savills analysis is pretty clear on where the market is at. Coke Gearing have also then, and it's also part of our Matter 5 statement and the Savills technical appendices, we've got letters from a number of local companies who actually are operating in Uttlesford or want to move into Uttlesford. So I'll just read some very quick extracts from a couple of them. One is from SR Technics, an extract of their letter dated 22nd of May 2019, 
They say, we have been seeking commercial accommodation to support our growth plans for a number of years, but unfortunately it has been incredibly difficult to find any available commercial space or land within Uttlesford with currently no availability. It goes on. There's another one, Globe Engineering. We were an employer in Uttlesford until earlier this year. We spent years seeking larger premises within the Uttlesford district for expansion of engineering business, but we were unsuccessful due to the serious lack of commercial units. They were forced to move on. So it's not just our commercial assessments. These are the market realities here at the Uttlesford. And, and this takes us on then to deliverability. As I sat here yesterday, I talked about the Stanford North. Well, first of all, I, I raised Stanford North as a big issue in deliverability, and I'll discuss that in a moment. And the council responded, well, no, we've also got uh, employment provision in our garden communities. I've sat here for five or six hours today saying that the deliverability of the garden communities is something which is uh, on a knife's edge, for want of a better word. Now. Not only that, would the employment provision in the garden communities would not be about delivering on strategic regional and national warehouse and industrial requirements. It will be about delivering on local employments. And let's be honest, a decent track of housing will have to come forward before any B class comes forward in those locations. So this big supply of... of Local industrial, which is a different demand thing, will not be delivered for some quite some time anyway, uh, probably lucky to be delivered in this planned period. So then that takes me down to um, Stanford North, uh, and that is also clearly articulated in our submission. I think the big thing with this one, it, I'm not saying it is a bad site but it has a lot of difficulties that mean it will not come forward to later in the plan period. If I, if I take us back to the Council's evidence base, uh, this is the one um, that is done by BG Group from 2016. They talk about the, this north side, so this is from 2016, so three years ago. Site requires remedial actions to bring, the market, to bring to the market, including demolition of older buildings and access improvements. Master planning of the site is required to identify development and application is yet to be lodged. Site is deliverable in the medium term with the proponent having significant long-term development experience and will be the long-term owner of the airport. That proponent is now selling the site. I know that because Savile's uh, one of the selling agents for that site and it has been packaged up with a number of other MAG group facilities around Manchester and Stansted. So this willing landowner, this willing developer, no movement on the master plan, no movement on the planning application and are in the process of selling the site means that the site is going to be delayed coming forward and being this kind of um, all-conquering kind of new supply for industrial and warehouse. The other issues around it, it does have a fuel farm, so there'll have to be separation distances to make health and safety executive requirements. So that means a lot of the 55 hectares may not be deliverable. It has contamination, which is noted in the council's evidence base, which will have to be worked through. That will delay it coming forward. That will also bring forward viability issues. Um, a lot of the other buildings will have to be demolished or reconfigured because there's also existing building, uh, businesses on site. How will they be um, reintegrated or how will they be moved on? 
The access is shared with a lot of airport parking, so the access arrangements are not perfect to the site and will have to be worked through. Um, so, you know, all of these issues mean that it is 100% in our view, it is a later requirement in the plan in terms of soaking up this demand. So what we have is a gaping big hole in this employment land strategy, all those letters from companies I talk about, the 0.7% industrial and warehouse availability, there is such a latent demand at this very moment that needs to be accommodated and there's no sites in the garden communities, in the Stanford North site to accommodate those demands. I'll quickly try and run through my last about a point and in matter five. The evidence base has also had limited regard to Stansted Airport. The Hardesty-Jones report has tried to look at a growing airport and what will that need and look at the job increases. The problem is the commercial market responds to the goods and services that go through the airport. That is the passengers, that is the cargo tonnage. They are the things that will impact the supply chains of businesses that want to be located around the airport, not the operational jobs that sit on the airport. And you'll see in our Matter 5 statement all the benchmarking that we've done that London Stansted has in terms of its industrial and warehouse provision compared to a number of other uh, warehouse provision around other airports within a two-mile radius. Stansted has 40% of the industrial and warehouse uh, floor space as expressed as per one million of passengers compared to Luton. Luton is a significantly smaller airport. It has got two and a half times less the provision of Manchester in terms of warehouse and industrial provision around its airport and they are about the same size and that is exactly the same metrics that come out 14 times less and 18 times less than Luton and Gatwick in terms of industrial provision against every per tonne of cargo that goes through the airport. So the under provision based on the size of this airport is extremely Stark, and this is why we've got 1.7% availability in the industrial and uh, warehouse markets. I will also say that a lot of the other councils that have airports are being a lot more proactive in what they're doing. Harlow was obviously put through the enterprise zones to accommodate uh, increased employment also across warehouse and industrial. Luton has an enterprise zone and an over 90 hectare allocation for new industrial floor space to accommodate growth at its much smaller airport. Gatwick has a new allocation about to go through 83 hectares. So what I'm trying to say here is not only do you have a latent demand, the council's not being proactive and building on this key economic driver which is Gatwick Airport. And obviously, I know that I've, I've, I've taken a bit of time here, but the other, the other major issue that we have here, and my computer's just died, but the council's... The, the council's... Oh, sorry. What, Do you need to plug? No, it's fine. Okay. Um, the other thing is, that, and this is what, moving from the Hartisley-Jones methodological approach, no market assessments, and the gap, and then you've got the council's own local plan viability assessment, which says in there, and I was going to read the quote, it's somewhere in section six that says, from the viability testing of B-class uses in Uttlesford, 
pretty much B-class uses are not viable. So what that says is that you have to be very, very particular in allocating sites in the right locations so they are deliverable. Now you will see in our Matter 5 statement and the Savills technical appendix that we have run viability analysis on the site that we are most interested in and it is highly viable. It is highly viable. It's adjacent to the fourth biggest airport and one of the fastest growing in the country. It is directly adjacent to the M11. Those sites will make it viable. Other sites in garden villages or more local areas are a lot more challenging in their viability and the council's own evidence-based study says that the mo for the most part they are not viable to come forward. So lo and behold we see that there's a massive gap in the allocations of employment land um, to meet this latent demand. The one other point that I was saying is these methodological approaches based on population and, and jobs does not take into account. So the big difference we see in our market analysis is we look at actual what is happening in the market, net absorption, trends. And we also look at, in terms of the market, so at 0.7% availability now, which is critically low, everything that's gone through the London plan, various examinations, the right level of frictional capacity in a market for it to operate effectively in industrial markets is around 8%. So, the difference between 0.7 availability now and an effective capacity rate to allow churn and movement of existing businesses is 7.3%, which equates to just five hectares there, based on a 0.4 plot ratio of just accommodating latent demand, which we're not accommodating now, before you even get into projecting into future demand. So, it's all clearly laid out in our rep, but we feel 22 hectares is less is about half of what you really need from a base requirement of 40 to 50 hectares and we call that as a base requirement is because at the moment and it's, you know we sit here in Savills we, we we are in the property market we haven't even factored in all the growth up to a million homes and new infrastructure which is going into the London Cambridge to Oxford corridor and we've not done that because it's too difficult to do so I understand the council hasn't done that as well, but that will top up industrial and warehouse demand over the planned period, even above our 40 or 50 hectare baseline requirement. Thank you. What I'll do is Mr Cook, if he wants to speak, and then I'll bring you in because he might have similar points. No. Mr Cook. Oh, I'm Mr Park. Yes, good afternoon, ma'am. Thanks for that. Um, yes, I am uh, Richard Coke. I am um, a principal of a, of a, uh, a major local um, commercial agent. And I just wanted to make a couple of uh, points which are um, uh, set out in the um, um, evidence that Mr. Pomery has put forward. Um, first of all, I think it's fair to say that um, the current scenario is that we have over 1 million square feet of registered requirements and at the moment at the last count about 16,500 square feet of potential space to offer them. This is having a very negative effect on the economy of our locality. The problem with the um, statistical approach to demand is it essentially looks at things like historic rates of take up and absorbency and so on. The problem is, if, you can't, if, if it's not there, it can't be taken up or absorbed. 
So you build in the same... So essentially, if you don't build it, it, it clearly won't get let, and therefore it won't figure on your statistics. But we do have a significant um, un, um, unrequited demand, which on its own, and as of um, 2019, would probably accommodate all of the projected um, um, employment land that's allocated in the local plan in the first year of the plan. You would then take that forward to um, 2033 um, and you'd have 13 or 14 years of, of no land supply at all. Um, if you look at the jobs policy in, in um, um, S4, uh, the implication is at um, 16,500 people According to Hartley Jones, the target is 1.2 jobs per, in, uh, per household. That alone equates to 40 hectares of employment land, taking a very modest 10 hectares of, um, uh, sorry, 10 metres squared of built space per person. So if you take those kind of aspirations into account, the general point is that the allocation is totally inadequate. I would back up. Uh, Mr. Powney's comments about um, individual clients. The client that, um, that we represent today has been looking for a site in um, this locality for three years and has not been able to find anything. And I think it is a general feeling that people will simply go elsewhere. Um, we, are, we are seeing quite a lot of um, businesses being constrained in their growth, looking therefore to relocate. We've lost a couple to Braintree in the last three months. Um, and I think it's a real opportunity this council has missed in, in not treating employment land and employment allocation seriously. We spent a lot of time talking about housing. That's obviously a very important point. But here we are at the end of the day talking about what is essentially the driver or the main driver of um, that housing demand, which is the local economy and the local employment. If you don't have that, you really don't have a viable, sustainable community. If 48 to 50 percent of your population is out um, is moving out daily um, to, to commuting to work, that's not really sustainable development. Thank you, Mr. Parsons. Thank you, ma'am. Um, I'd like to deal with, uh, I share the, the points raised by the previous two speakers. We think the methodology of the plan is fundamentally flawed and has seriously underestimated the overall demand for employment land. I'm going to deal with the planning issues, and I'd like Mr. Johnson, uh, my colleague here, who's the owner of Cheagray Properties, to give you a perspective, a market perspective, on, on the sort of demand that there is. Um, Mr. Johnson owns uh, Elsenham Business Park, which is referred to in the plan as land at Gaunt's End, uh, variously referred to various different ways. Um, he's, been, he's owned that property since 2000, and he's one of the largest employers um, in the district. So I'd like to look at the, um, the test of soundness um, for a local plan and uh, apply those to the employment policies. So the first test is that the plan is supposed to be uh, positively prepared. Now, our contention is that the plan is not positively prepared. As we've heard, the employment projections are based on a methodology which is just projecting forward. But essentially, that is projecting forward a business as usual uh, for two main reasons, both of which have been touched on by previous speakers, but I'd like to emphasize. Firstly, the high level of outcommuting, 
the figure of uh, over 40% has been referred to. I don't think the council dispute that. The, the, the plan itself refers to the fact that Uttlesford has uh, some of the highest levels of out commuting in the country. <coughs> and secondly, the problems with existing stock of employment land. That's something that's come through all the employment land studies that the council has undertaken since 2011. Um, the lack of modern purpose-built accommodation, uh, change of use uh, from office to other forms of development. I should say, I should have prefaced this by saying, um, Savills were talking very much about in industrial and warehousing. We're talking primarily about office development, mixed-use development, and hotel development. It, um, it's set out in our submission. So... We, uh, Back to the point about positively prepared, we think that that approach lacks vision and ambition and seriously underestimates the true potential. It doesn't provide for any choice or resilience or flexibility. The vast bulk of the Council's employment allocation is in two sites. We've heard that, uh, Stansted North and Great Chesterford. We've heard the problems with uh, Stansted North and Great Chesterford is a very different uh, fish. Um, research and development it's quite different from, from the sort of business that, uh, that we're, we're seeking to promote secondly the, the second test is that the plan should be justified well we don't think the plan is justified in any way by the council's own evidence base the council's own employment land studies have consistently recommended allocation of additional land at Elsinham Business Park dating back to 2011 the, uh, this, for some strange reason that we've never had a, a proper explanation of, that allocation was not taken forward uh, into this version of the plan. Well, I may be touching on issues that you, you want to deal with in the site-specific thing, but it, it's, it's worth mentioning I now. It's probably worthwhile. We've got um, Hardesty Jones here to, uh, to deal with. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, objective 2A of the plan. This is, I'm, I'm still pursuing the point that there are inconsistencies within the plan. Objective 2A talks about meeting the anticipated needs and aspirations of businesses, including providing opportunities for employment growth related to London Stansted Airport, the point that Savills made very clearly for you there. Other inconsistencies in the plan, paragraph 5.36 of the plan, I quote, it says, planning permission has recently been granted for substantial B1A office development next to the established industrial estate in this location, brackets tricell towers. This prestigious office development has potential to bring substantial economic benefits and is likely to attract further investment. That statement is made in the plan. However, the plan doesn't follow that up by allocating further land. Now, Mr. Johnston can give you more of the background on the tricell. The next test is that um, the plan should be effective. We don't think it will be effective because it won't allow the Uttlesfield economy to grow and diversify. It's based on business as usual and a very low base. So that lack of ambition, we, we, we maintain, will, help to, will not allow the plan to meet the Council's own economic development strategy. Paragraph 5.4 of the plan states, the central aim of the employment development strategy is to deliver the Council's sustainable business growth priority. And it then goes on to define what do they mean by sustainable business growth. That means more business startups, more businesses relocating into the district, more expansion of existing businesses, and more jobs for local people. 
Now, I don't think projecting forward a business as usual from a very low base will help that diversification and growth that the plan claims as an objective. Finally, consistency, the test for uh, soundness. We don't believe that the plan uh, is consistent with the MPPF. It, the plan, it does not plan positively or seek opportunities to meet the development needs of the area. That's NPPF paragraph 11. Instead, it relies on a flawed methodology to meet future employment needs, which effectively relies on areas further afield, predominantly London, to, to provide significant level of jobs for Uttlesford residents. It's not being prepared positively in a way that is aspirational, that's MPPF paragraph 16. Instead, it is risk-averse, formulaic, and relies on the status quo. In doing so, it seriously underestimates the future employment need. Now, I think it would be helpful if you hear now from Mr. Johnson, from his experience of speaking to clients. No, you don't need to put that up, that's fine. All right. Um, Delivery is the key thing from from my point of view. We... we, um, got planning permission for Trisail, which is a 90,000 square foot office development, the biggest development um, in the district uh, with three interlinked towers and with retail amenities at the bottom. And the vision behind it was to create a new economic centre for Huttlesford. And to do that, we needed to have this mixed-use element So we set about, um, six years ago, we set about three years' worth of infrastructure, putting in a new roundabout, a public highway, probably one of the few ones that's been put in, I would think, um, and a new boulevard across the whole site. And the council was very supportive and endorsed the fact that the rest of the site, they could see the vision, because this was phase one of the master plan, Uh, which would include hotel and conference centre. We have an operator for that. Um, That's in phase two. So we started preparing for that and varying more corporate offices, but purely offices with the uh, mixed amenities. We are five minutes from the airport terminal, so we're the next door neighbour the other side. And the last three years, we've spent refining the tri-sale scheme primarily with the help of um, agents um, from the market perspective and to get the best use out of the buildings and make it sure that it worked for the users. So now we have floor plates that you can have 5,000 square feet, 15, up to 15,000, 10 to 15, and then up to 20. Now, from a market perspective, um, the market roughly divides into three, So the big corporates are looking for floor plates around 20,000. We don't have that in Uttlesford. So the idea was to put this whole economic centre on the map as a serious alternative and to reflect the growth around the airport. So it's been a long time coming, but um, we refined the scheme and last week um, the council approved the minor amendments. Uh, I have my contractor standing by we start in the next four weeks and we will have a completion date of 2020 we will have a roughly occupiers will be about a thousand people and these are all corporate people now the interesting thing they're coming from outside the district 
So a lot of the employment stuff was all about what's going on in the district, but we're, we're getting new people in because there wasn't any, there isn't a grade A office centre, if you like, in the Uttlesford district at the moment. You can go to Cambridge, Chelmsford or whatever. Or yes, you can go to Great Chesterford. And obviously the airport's more of an industrial thing. So we're talking about a mixed-use flagship scheme which will have thousands of people there over um, the next few years. The hotel is part of it. And then we have the corporate people who don't want to be first, who are saying, you get this up, then uh, we'd like to book the next one. I'm talking about some very big people who are just down in Liverpool Street who want to have their hub, but at the moment there isn't a place to have one. So we could have filled Trisail twice over, um, but you know, with the restrictions on terms of delivery, it's taken time. And I'm obviously financing this um, because a lot of people won't commit to prelets until the steel's coming out of the ground. So in the end, I thought, right, we've just got to do it. So we're, I'm putting sort of millions on the line. Um, and the other thing about the whole site, it's under single ownership. So, you know, cheer grade properties. So the, the future means we can manage the, the look of it and Uttlesford want very high uh, levels of architecture. So these towers, when you see them, um, are unique with link bridges and so on. It's very 21st century, and the idea is we will have exactly the same for the next offices and for the hotel and so on. The other part of the employment thing, I don't think it captured ever the mixed-use part of the numbers in terms of the people working in the spa downstairs and the fitness and the retail elements and the hotel, you know, it was too, it's got to go, offices are that way and that way. So I don't quite know what happened to all that. But at the moment, I think the council paused because they wanted to see that we were going to deliver this. And the answer is we obviously are now. Um, so that would be in the plan. And um, it could be hundreds of thousands of square feet going through the life of the plan, which you haven't got in any of your figures. But, um, have I said enough? I don't know. Thank you. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. Do you want to come back on that? There's some sort of common themes and then some more slightly individual sort of emission site. Yes. Um, well, I'll comment on the matters around future requirements and demand and I'll I leave others from the council to, yes. to pick up on supply side issues um, because that relates more to the work that we've undertaken. Um, so firstly, in relation to, and I'll try and cover the various points that have been made in a sort of logical order. Um, yeah. In relation to uh, the West Essex East Heart study, which is EMP 600.2, um, at 1.4 in that, Mr. Powney pointed out that that hadn't consulted with agents, and it actually states at um, 1.4 that we were specifically asked not to do that as part of that piece of work, um, that was being done at district level through other pieces of research and that's where other studies such as the ACON work, uh, BG work, things like that um, looked at more local commercial issues. So the reason that that piece of work hasn't specifically done that is that's, that's the reason um, there. Now that being said, 
that doesn't mean it's sought to ignore the sort of commercial market reality. So a number of people have said, oh, the methodology is only jobs-based and the kind of there's this many jobs multiplied by this much space per worker, etc. Um, which I would uh, contend is, is not the case. Whilst that compose or comprises a part of the assessment of future requirements, there's also an explicit consideration of the need to ensure suitable modern premises for the existing scale of the economy, not just the incremental change that might happen over the course of the plan period. So that's, that's considered in terms of replacement. It's also the analysis is then cross-checked in terms of historic completions data. Now, the level of requirement across the, the FEMA and planning practice guidance asked us to consider this at the FEMA level uh, the level of requirement is above recent levels of completions across the FEMA. So it's not, you know, the, the argument that its um, historic development has been suppressed and that's just cascaded forward is not, yes, is not that's entirely been those, the case. You yes, sort of um, creating that yes. moving forward. Um, further on that point, in terms of the jobs aspiration, um, there was talk of business as usual. We discussed some of the issues around the particular terminology around what business as usual might mean in our reports, which I won't go into here. But actually, the um, business as usual baseline forecast for the FEMA was substantially lower than the final preferred scenario that was tested. Now, that was heavily driven by the availability of labour supply. And there's a point around job workers and homes balance and things like that, which I, I'm sure we may um, briefly come on to. But that means we've identified a scenario for 20,000 more jobs than was evident from the baseline or business as usual forecasts, if, that, if that's what you want to um, term them. And I think that's important in terms of saying we're, we're not just looking at what is the lowest level that we could provide for here. We could have said, well, this is what the economic forecasts say. We have a lot more people. We will allow a lot more out commuting. There are other economic poles around here, whether it be Cambridge to the north, London to the south, and we will allow people to um, live here and we will become dormitory authorities to economic hubs. And that was a decision that was... Um, not, you know, not something people wanted to embrace, and we identified clear ways that additional jobs um, could reasonably be expected to be located within the FEMA. So we, we, there's already a substantial level of aspiration, and for Uttlesford, that includes uh, the role of Stansted Airport, which was a point that's been um, made a number of times. Um, we didn't do our own modelling of the implications of Stansted Airport. We drew on the work that Oxford Economics, a, a very creditable um, economic forecasting company, had undertaken. And again, that work didn't only consider kind of airside or operational airport employment, that considered the wider economic effects of that employment in terms of supply chain and other economic activity that might want to locate because of the presence of the airport. So again, I would contend that that, that is considered in that work. Um, again, there was some talk about um, office requirements. And again, I think if you look at the analysis, there's substantial increase in office-based employment uh, within, within that. Then just going briefly onto, onto the issues of local com commercial market um, understanding that wasn't part of our work and I can't comment on in detail on the work of ACOM and other consultants 
I, I would just say that whilst they, that did identify some of the issues that have been um, noted by, by others already, as a result, the provision within the plan is greater than the scale of provision that was recommended or was identified in the West Essex and East Hearts FEMA study in 600.2. So quite, you know, quite reasonably, you could say that taking account of some of that market signals evidence, additional provision has been made. Just finally, on one point of detail before I hand over to the Council on the, the supply side matters, um, Mr Coke, I believe, talked about uh, applying a sort of one job per 10 square metres um, multiplier and this would lead to a, a particular requirement. My, my only point on that is that many jobs that are created, and we've talked about the scale of employment across the FEMA in, in our research, many of those jobs do not require B use class sites and premises. So you will have jobs that require no land, whether they be peripatetic or home-based. You'll have jobs in A, C, D use classes, sui generis, as well as the B use classes. So I think you have to be very careful with, you know, sort of rough rules of thumb such as that. Thank you. Mr Powney, you wanted to come back. Can you just talk? Oh, you haven't got your microphone. Sorry, I appreciate the point. They specifically, they're not asked to, to speak to the, the market, but it's their 22 hectare recommendation which has made it through to the plan. So where has the market context analysis been? That, that's my, my first point. I also have massive concerns, and I have seen that in the Hardesty Jones, they looked at completions. That is not a market lead indicator, and I'll tell you why. The first thing is, I've now got my point where my computer failed me earlier, so the Council's own local plan evidence-based study at paragraph 6.16 says... Which, is which it, document is that? This is the, it's the, it's the, the local plan um, viability study. Okay. So the Council's own evidence in paragraph 6.16, under the heading B-class uses, offices, industrial and warehouse, the viability assessments indicate that all these B-class uses produce a negative residual land value. The lack of viability for B-class uses is common across many areas of the country. So, if B-class uses struggle generally in terms of viability, and we've heard from the major investor here for tri-sales is that the latent demand is there, but you've got to really kind of build it and put the money and the risk there first. Well, no wonder it's not look worth looking at completions because B-class is difficult in terms of viability. We've already demonstrated that there's not enough land because if there was enough employment land, you wouldn't be at 0.7% availability. I mean, that's, you, you would actually have some higher viability, uh, availability towards the commonly accepted around 8%. Now, that's very hard to get anyway, but you wouldn't be at 0.7%. So looking at completions for use classes which are difficult to demonstrate viably, where you haven't allocated enough land because you've got no available floor space, looking at completions is not a lead indicator. Lead indicators are how much availability you've got, which I don't need to say 0.7% again, 
where your rental trends are, which are increasing in Uttlesford, to take account of demand is outstripping supply. And the other one is looking at net absorption, which looks at the people that are taking up... So the, the, how many more people are leasing space versus that are moving out. And that is on space which is already there because that's the only space that can be demanded and transacted because it's space which is there. They are lead indicators in the market. Net completions are not at all. Um, so uh, there's that point. And then I suppose, for want of not repeating myself, this kind of like we're allocating enough land. If you've allocated enough land, we wouldn't have those letters from businesses saying we've had to move out of Uttlesford. We wouldn't have critically low 0.7% availability. You wouldn't have the lowest provision of industrial warehousing space around a major airport compared to all the others in the UK. So, uh, to me, the, these statistics are they're irrefutable. There's market realities here which the employment land strategy is just not responding to at all. Okay, thank you. Mr. Cope, do you want to speak again? Yes, sorry, um, just one point that I uh, failed to raise last time. Um, what the, the current um, employment base doesn't really take into account is the loss of employment land that's occurred in, in recent times. I mean, specifically on the airport, for example, um, previously allocated employment sites have been um, reallocated for airport parking. And one of the problems with the allocation in the current plan, or the draft plan, is that um, it is subject to the operational needs of Manchester Airport Group. Uh, and clearly, they've just taken um, a 17-acre site for car parking that was previously allocated for industrial. Um, so the chances are that if the operational need dictates, they will take more. So I think two points, really. One, we need to make sure that, that the future supply takes into account the fact that the evidence base, um, is, since it was uh, commenced, has lost land, um, and that land is, it, it should therefore not be added into the equation. Um, we need to replace what's gone. Um, similarly, we've lost quite a few sites to uh, uh, price pressure on residential. Um, a number of, resident, uh, of commercial sites have gone residential, particularly in Thaxted, particularly in South Morden. Is that because um, of the change to the permitted development rights? Yeah, uh, part, partly, part, partly due to permitted development rights, but, but also particularly on the industrial sector, for example, um, the region scheme in Saffron Warden and others, um, where effectively you've got previous industrial land, which has gone 40, 50, 60 percent residential. So that those land, those, those sites were major allocations in, in, the, in the previous plan, um, and they don't seem to have been netted off in terms of supply going forward. So effectively, we need to replace stock we've lost before we can even get back to zero. Thank you. Do you Thank you. I wanted to respond to two points Mr. Hardesty made, and then I too forgot one point in my notes. Um, Mr. Hardesty was talking about business as usual and, and what that might mean. I think there were two forecasts of employment growth. One was called business as usual, and they've actually selected one that's marginally greater. I was using business as usual in the sense of it's still based, the forecasts are still based on the historic market share. Yes, you keep building in the same... Exactly. So uh, it, it still is business as usual, in my view, and doesn't capitalise on the opportunities presented by Sansted. Um, 
and Mr. Hardesty also said we did our calculations and then we've added a margin on it, so it's greater than uh, the forecast. Um, it is still, though, concentrated on two main sites, and we've heard about the problems with both of those sites. The point I, I touched on but should have made more of was the lack of um, any provision in the plan for tourism development. The only reference I can find to tourism development is in policy EMP4, which is one of the policies dealing with the rural economy. And it, talk, it says there's support for small-scale tourism proposals, including visitor accommodation. Now, I find that very surprising, given the fact that Stansted Airport is within the district, and there are clearly opportunities for tourism developments related to Stansted Airports, as Mr. Johnston has said. And there is, there is no policy provision for that whatsoever in the plan that I can see. Thank you. Thank you. I just I just say the, the hotel, we had a study done by Cushman's, which on the viability of the conference centre, um, like a mini convention centre, and it's all based on the airport and based on other European cities, what goes on there near airports, um, and the demand was very high. You know. um, so our model for our whole site is based on people coming by train, other forms of transport, we will have a shuttle bus at our sites, tri-cell shuttle bus, back and forth to the terminal, into the hotel park um, on demand. So we want to reduce the car as, as well. Thank you. But, uh, you know, um, <laughs> Thank you, yes. I just wanted to um, support what Mr. Coke said about the, um, the pressure on, uh, price pressure in Saffron Walden. Um, we, we have a, a development at the moment, I know this isn't about specific sites, but we do have a, a development that was allocated for industrial use and, or light industrial use, and um, the developer has now come back and is um, going to appeal, trying to change that use to uh, further housing. And on Monday, uh, the town council is receiving a developer who's coming to talk about their plans for the print pack site which is currently allocated as employment, but they won't tell me in advance of their presentation what it's for, so I'd like to be wrong, but I suspect it's, they're going to come and tell us about the houses they'd like to put on the site instead, even though it's um, an employment site. So we do feel that the pressure on employment sites um, from housing, because obviously the instant High return value, is, yeah. is greater. So yes, it, we feel the pressure on the, on, the, on the sites, even the ones that are allocated. Okay, what's the council doing in terms of um, protecting our employment sites? So there's obviously policies presumably to protect them in the existing plan that's adopted. And there, there is there policy. There is always pressure because it's a higher land value, isn't it, for housing? Than there is protection in the, the existing uh, adopted plan and we, we are continuing to protect it in the um, draft local plan. Um, but yes, as you say, there, there are pressures uh, relating to the loss of those uses. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. There's a report that's just come out. I don't know whether it's worth sending it in, but it's on the lack of supply for grade A offices, 15,000 plus and it covers the Thames Valley, it covers all around this region, includes Cambridge. It's basically saying there's about 
um, 15 or no, there might be more, I think it could be 50 requirements for people wanting 20,000 square foot plus and there is, they can't find it. So do you know what I mean? Our timing on that supports that um, and people, the, the trend for people moving out of areas to different areas it, it's, it's definitely people aren't saying well I'll just always stay here. Yeah. They are moving their offices and so on. So that's, an, that's another thing to take account. Would you like me to send that um, report? Or I don't know. I think it's probably not necessary now. I won't send um, Mr. Hardis, you want to come back on some of Yes, those? I, I wanted to come back on a couple of the points that were made. Um, firstly, about taking account of losses. Actually, our analysis explicitly considers the fact that there, there are losses of employment space and therefore one can't just look at the net position because actually um, that masks some quite significant levels of activity. So all our analysis is done on the gross levels of gains that need to be seen aware that losses have happened and losses will continue to happen. And the PD so, rates, I think, have had quite an impact yes. in some areas on that, hasn't it? Yes, so that, that is built into the analysis of future requirements. The second point about um, the preferred scenario being marginally higher than the, um, than the baseline scenario, it's 54% higher in terms of employment growth. One of the other points was that was raised was about... Um, this comment that the, the, the council have just adopted the figure from your report without taking into account sort of market indicators. Is, does anybody want to say anything about it? Uh, yes, so on, on that point, um, the, the, the other evidence base supporting the local plan, so the Employment Land Review 2017 and the Commercial Workspace Study from 2015, I believe, uh, includes um, some market analysis, which has informed the plan. Wanted to pick up a few other points as well, if possible. Yeah. Um, so on the garden communities, it was suggested that the employment land um, on the on these sites will be meeting local needs rather than uh, wider strategic needs. That's not necessarily the case. Um, while the council is. Um, allocating employment land within the garden communities in order to help achieve um, self-containment. Um, that, that's about the idea of people living and working in the same place. It's not necessarily about the employment itself being uh, local. It could, be, um, a, it could be meeting a regional need. There's nothing to stop that. Uh, another point on the garden communities was that this might come uh, further down Very the late, line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Landsec aren't here anymore, but their proposal includes a um, significant employment site which, which they say they want to bring on before any of the housing. Um, Stansted North, um, I would like to refer you to the Council's matter statement for, quest, uh, for matter six and also the statement from Manchester Airport Group um, to matter six in which in addressing your question 14 um, I'll, I'll read from uh, Mag's statement on the councils but you, you can read both of them uh, paragraph 8.5 says there are no deliverability issues identified the planning and the planning application has been discussed with the council and as Stal, the airport operator is the sole owner and promoter of the site the allocation is deliverable and then the final point I wanted to pick up was uh, 
to direct you to uh, table 7 in our matter 5 statement. That's page 14 in which we set out the outstanding planning permissions in the district um, indicating a, a, an availability of uh, supply which can, has planning permission and can come forward. Uh, while the figures there are net and there are some negatives in there, there were also substantial positives, uh, in particular relating to uh, B8 uses, um, B1A uses, and uh, unspecified B1, B2, B8 use. Thank you. Whereas people have got quite a few cards up, and I'm conscious that the time's moving on. Um, that's fine if the new points, but if we're just kind of going back and forth, uh, you know, I realise that people are not going to agree necessarily with the council, uh, but if you've made the point and it's been, I've, you know, I've got notes of it, I've heard it, so, um, yeah. Mr Belton, you've not spoken. Yeah, I shall, I shall be brief. I just wanted to respond. Um, a couple of references have been made to employment land in Saffron Walden, and I think references probably been made to site allocation SAF 11, which is my client site to the north of Ashton Road. Um, and I don't want to get into site specifics, because obviously now is not the time for that, but just to quickly update you um, on that. We, um, so it's an allocated site in this... It's an allocated site, yeah. So it was originally all employment. We got planning permission for a mixed-use master plan with part of the site being redeveloped for residential and the rest being retained for employment. Uh, that mixed-use was promoted to provide the financial backing to demolish the old buildings that were in the most part redundant, um, deal with contamination and service the land for employment uses. Uh, we've been marketing that site since 2015. Um, we've had very little interest, and any interest we have had has been in relation to the front parcel of land, where we have now found one occupier and a planning application is going through the planning system. Um, the larger parcels of land more remote from Ashton Road are just not getting any traction in the market. Um, so in our hearing statements, we have um, set out that um, while there may be um, high levels of demand. Um, it's very much location specific and in the case of Ashton Road we have found through our marketing that a combination of local factors whether it be proximity to other services, highway restrictions um, or, uh, or other such concerns has meant that the market really isn't um, coming forward with um, occupiers for, for that, that parcel of land. So in our hearing statement just referencing that um, we don't take issue with the amount of employment land the council is seeking to allocate. Um, I've heard the comments today, and again, we don't really have um, a strong view either way. But um, you know, whatever that figure is, we have noted in our hearing statement that the allocations that are coming forward amount to in excess of 100 hectares of land, from my calculation. So we were very comfortable that um, there was a good stock of future employment land coming forward and have therefore suggested that the council really need to look at those sites that aren't performing as to whether it is still appropriate to um, continue to allocate them. And where there is several years of unsuccessful marketing, we are suggesting that um, those parcels of land probably shouldn't be protected any longer. But that will be something we'll come on to on site-specific matters, I'm sure. Okay. Mr. MacDonald. I've got two quite different points. One, quite a small one, really for information or asking for information. In the sustainability appraisal, it wasn't clear to me from paragraph 5.41 what level of employment is anticipated or planned in the, in the plan for North Stansted employment area. I know we've been talking this afternoon about that area. 
but um, are we clear what level of employment is planned for Stansted North, Stansted North Stansted employment area and is that the sort of level of employment that's been allowed for within traffic forecasts, particularly through the local villages, Stansted, Mount Fitcher, Elsenham, etc., and Junction 8 of the M11? I, I didn't see an yeah. answer to that. Well, yeah, I mean, this afternoon, we're not going back to the essay, and we're not talking about infrastructure, we're talking about employment, land, uh, needs. Uh, so. Sorry, I referenced sustainability appraisal, but it's a, it's a matter that we've just been talking about, that, that particular employment site and I, I'm unclear as to what is, what is included in the plan in terms right. of level of employment for that policy. site. There's a specific policy for that site? Is it? uh, it, it's, referenced in, it's referenced in EMP 1, uh, bullet 2, um, support the general business, industrial and warehousing uses of 58, on 55 hectares of land for North Stanford employment area. So it's on 55 hectares of land. So it's point two on policy EMP1, yeah. it explains that. But that doesn't seem to say what level of employment we're anticipating there, because the level of employment is the numbers, numbers employed have an impact on traffic, etc. And it also has an impact on the Hardesty Jones report, which is looking for more employment. I suspect that will depend on what uses go on the site, isn't it? That, you know, different, different uses generate different um, but I just employment what per area of land kind of range. I just wonder what's being assumed for all the other factors that come out of that. Are we having lots of lorries coming out of there impacting on the local villages? Or, I mean, that would be for further work. Those sites, that site will need permissions and um, potentially further development plan document type things, wouldn't it? There'll be further work to, to determine the appropriate um, breakdown yeah, breakdown of uses, who, who wants to be there and all that kind of thing, yes. In terms of the work on the SA, that was a general, uh, that will have been taken into account, the 55 hectares, I can't remember off the top of my head. but Yes, it, yes. it was one of the, the sites that was assessed in, okay, going back to yesterday briefly, um, the, the, reasonable, the assessment of reasonable alternatives for employment land considered the 55 hectare site at North Sandstead, the I can't remember the number of hectares at Chester no. Research Park and then um, the, the additional land at Gaunt's End as, a, as an alternative. Okay. Okay. What was your next point? Um, and my next point is, is quite a different one. Um, the Hardesty Jones report, the relatively recent one that we've been talking about, um, was commissioned specifically to find ways of increasing the jobs forecast um, so that the relationship between population growth and jobs growth was more balanced. Mm -hmm. So the, the, um, the report therefore was not a balanced um, review of employment. It was specifically aimed at what additional employment might we find. And the report still fell short of, the, of balancing the Act by about 2000. Um, that, that particular report and the reason for that report is part of a, um, I think the phrase is circular, circular logic, um, in that that report was commissioned to find more jobs to match the number of people that would be coming. But earlier in the, the Schmar process, allowance was being made for 5,600 more people to meet the number of jobs that would 
deemed available. Again from Hardesty Jones, forecast of jobs. So there's a circular thing that pushed up jobs and pushed up houses, but the two things have no sort of substance really. I know that the 5,600 additional um, people, uh, that 5,600 additional homes requirement was actually one of the reasons for the 20%, 14%, whatever it is, uplift. Market signals, yeah. Uh, market signals was one and, uh, and matching jobs and, um, and people was the other. So the, the argument for upping both of those, jobs and people, is a circular argument. One, one supports the other and that one yes. also supports the first. So the two are obviously interlinked. Does anybody want to comment on that? Mr Lee's back on. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, with regard to the um, study that we did in September 2015, um, that did have uh, an uplift whereby we didn't have sufficient workers and there was an additional 5,600 homes included um, in, in order to, to undertake that alignment. Um, with regard to the 2017 study, um, at that point there were sufficient workers within the baseline demographic growth, um, so it was only the market signals that, that we were looking at in, in terms of the uplift. So in terms of the OAN figure that is currently relied upon, that does not include any increase with regard to um, the, the number of jobs in the area. It is um, an independent number based upon the, the demographic trend based information and, and the market signals. Um, and it's that latter number that I believe that Hardesty Jones have used in terms of their um, labour force led um, scenario. But I can pass it to Mr. Hardesty. Thank you. I mean, I think that's probably a sufficient explanation. Unless you wanted to add anything in Yes, yes, other than, yeah, I agree. That isn't what was happening. Um, so in one study, um, yes, the housing was increased at the second time. It was the reverse was required when to bring labour market into balance. Yes. Are you happy with that explanation? Okay. Mr. Powney. Thank you, ma'am. I'll be very quiet. I'll just, I've got a few points and then I'll be quiet, I promise. Um, the, the, the first one, uh, the council didn't ask the question there how, how they've taken into account market factors, just that they've had some other reports that looked at market indicators. And when you look at those reports, they talk about a strong market, but the council not explained how they've taken that into account in terms of their actual land requirement. That's my, my first point. My second point is the council have just said that the garden communities may not necessarily be used for local requirements. Their policies say the development will be the, deliver a range of local employment opportunities integrated into the new community. You, I suppose local, it depends whether you take local as yeah. in the population of the garden community or yeah. local. Of, so so large, of large scale industrial occupiers, their main requirement is adjacency to the SRN, strategic road network, a motorway. A lot of these garden communities will not tick that box. The other point is their trajectory is coming forward later. So unless you're saying that you're going to say to all these garden community promoters that you've got to deliver your B-class employment as in first phase, which I've never seen happen before, 
they will come forward very much towards the end of this planned period. The second thing is the council's own local plan viability evidence says B-class uses are generally unviable. So they're going to have to work through because these are not some of them are decent locations for smaller requirements, but they are not prime locations, so they'll have viability difficulties. The Council's viability evidence says that. The viability testing for the garden communities only tests the residential component. And we'll, um, week after next, we talk about viability at the garden communities. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just finally, the, the letter they've got from, from MAG, they're selling the sites. So they're on the market now first phase uh, of bidders has happened, it's moved into second phase, and the council's own evidence base notes fuel farm, decontamination issues, they are deliverability challenges. Whether you say they're not in the real world, they are. So I think we just have to take those comments of the letter from MAG, who will ultimately not be bringing forward the sites if they get sold. You need to take that with a pinch of salt. Do you want to make any further comment on the first point about um, taking into account evidence yes. from um, local so markets? In terms of how the evidence is taken account, uh, Mr. Pound is right that it talks about um, the, the importance of the strategic road network and the importance of, of Stansted Airport and all that kind of stuff. And the allocation of North Stansted has, at North Stansted, has good access to the airport and good access to and is. Yeah, good access to the strategic road network. So the council says we have taken this, this market evidence into account. I'm not going to repeat the point about um, Eastern Park and when they intend to deliver uh, their employment uses, but I will say that their the site that they have proposed for employment uses is right next to the A120 and the strategic road network. Thank you. I, mean, I think we need to draw a line there because we can go around in circles on this, you know, arguing the the point. I think I've understood what Mr Young, is it a different point to what's been? Which I think is, I wasn't quite certain where we were. Well, we're still sort of on question 21 but I was going to check whether anybody okay. had any other points because sometimes they just end up as a kind of, we, we end up covering all the points um, and nobody has any other points if you see what I mean. So, um, Has anybody got any other points on question 21? No? And 22 says, overall, does the evidence base provide adequate justification for the jobs target? And I think we've probably been around that one as part of this question. We need to go around that one again. 23, are the employment and land requirements consistent, consistent with a housing requirement figure, which was Mr. McDonald's point? Is it different to Mr. McDonald's point? Okay. Um, in fact, you earlier said you'd take, with 23, you'd take 2C and 4. You agreed earlier. Um, my my point really relates to question four. Okay. Okay. Um, the employment figure of 16,000 is actually taken out of a, a report by Hardesty Jones, which covered the whole Smar area. Hardesty Jones were told to, to assume a job growth figure at the airport over the planned period of 10,000 jobs. Hardesty Jones were not asked to check the figure and made it clear they hadn't checked this figure. So it's 10,000 jobs. Now, unfortunately, you'll find figures get complicated here because Hardesty Jones said 10,000 jobs, but there'll be some jobs displacement, so it's 8,750. And we've had a look, and we think 2,000 is already in the baseline, so it's 6,750. So all the figures get confusing 
But the easiest thing, I think, to concentrate on is we're talking about a growth figure over the plan period at Stansted Airport of 10,000. They then, having factored that in, came up with an overall deficit across the small area of about 2,000, which wasn't seen to be a problem. 2,000 is not a problem. Then what happened is the airport came in last year with an application for increased usage. This stated that without expansion, it would create an additional 3,000 jobs, and if it got permission, it would create an extra 6,000 jobs, all rather less than the 10,000 that had been factored in to the employment forecast. And bear in mind that the airport is notoriously optimistic in its projections for employment growth. In fact, mention has been made of Oxford Economics. In fact, two or three years ago, Stansted Airport employed Oxford Economics to do some research and look at employment growth. And they actually came up with figures about 25% less than the airport is currently predicting. So that's Oxford Economics. So we have a deficit of airports growth of, well, 10,000 versus 3,000 is 7,000, 10,000 versus 6,000 is 4,000. If we add to this the existing deficit of 2,000, then we're looking at deficits in the region of 6,000 if they get permission, and they haven't got it yet, or 9,000 in the present situation. That's 9,000 jobs. We're looking at houses, but we don't have the jobs to support them. Does anybody want to comment on that point? Uh, so not commenting in, in, on the detail on the, um, the Hardesty Jones report, but um, I would say that the employment land in the garden communities um, will provide a significant level of jobs um, to meet the, which has the potential to fill this, fulfil this deficit. Um, the allocation at North Stansted, as others have noted, is significantly larger than the allocation um, required from the Hardesty-Jones report. Um, yes, I th the Council has a, a generous supply of employment land to meet the needs. Any deficit, um, would, would, any deficit can be met up through that generous supply. Okay, thank you. Just, can I just check? It's 20 to 6. Does anybody have any need to get away for family commitments or whatever? I completely understand if people need to. Time's ticking on. How much? So we've got up to question 25. I've taken account of that. How much time do people think they need extra now to. One moment. Right. Has anybody got any other points that they think are going to take quite a bit of time? Mr. Powney, your thing's still up. Is that. Your nameplate, have you? Right, okay. Mr. Dixon. Thank you. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you, Mum. I've got my other hat on um, that I was wearing yesterday. Um, and you'll recall the points that I made in relation to the land adjacent to Bishop Stortford. Um, and we were talking about duty to cooperate. Um, I'm just going to make a very, very simple observation um, that's reflected um, also in the statement that East Hertfordshire District Council have submitted in relation to the session today and the constraint that the non-release of land around Bishop Stortford has on the ability of employment sites in Bishop Stortford to expand and to um, 
seek to, in that way, help address the needs of uh, employment users in, in the area. It's very, very simply covered in both the st statements that we've submitted and that East Hearts have submitted in relation to this specific um, session. So just to reiterate what they've said. Okay, thank you. Do you want to come back on that now? Okay, so are there any other points on um, employment land in general? I think we've covered all the points I had on mine in terms of things that we needed to make sure we covered. Um, okay, thank you. We'll have a, a brief break. We've still got Gypsy and Traveller to deal with. I'm not sure, do you want to deal with it tonight or do you want to try and see whether we get any space at the end of tomorrow or one of the sessions next week? I mean, it's kept fairly flexible because it's, it's, um, it's not something that... Um, unless, is there anybody here particularly wants to listen to Gypsy? Has anybody come specially? No. Yeah, I mean, ma'am, the only issue uh, from our point of view, clearly we've, we've provided you with our written uh, um, responses in the matter statement. Uh, so it's only if uh, you or Ms Worthington have some specific queries or questions that we would feel a need to want to say anything beyond yeah. what we've already said. I think Ms Worthington's got a few questions, but I don't think you'll think it'll take long. To... So if you want to crack on, we'll just have a five minutes while everybody goes and just have a comfort break and then come back. Um, but I'm conscious that sometimes people are thinking, oh, I've got to get to nursery or school or whatever. It's a, a nightmare, isn't it? But, uh... Thank you.
I'll just shut that door and then... Uh... Okay, so we just deal with this on a fairly informal basis now. That, uh... yeah. So, oh, I'm, oh, all right. We won't do all the introductions and everything. I'm just going to cut straight to the questions where I can't quite understand or I need a bit of clarification from what you've put in your statement. So, um, and also there's the issue of the changes that are proposed, the main mods that go with it. So the second part of question 11 um, was paragraph 4.5. Four or five of the plans suggest that those, this is about those not meeting the definition and how they're going to be considered as part of the council's overall objective to meet the district-wide um, housing needs. And I've asked where is that evident? And you're suggesting a um, main modification to recognise the needs of those who don't meet the de definition as a footnote to SP3? Yes. Yeah, okay. So just in terms of that... Um, How does that, well, how does that work really in terms of the numbers? Because the numbers would, would stay the same, but you're saying that a different area of um, need would be encompassed within them. And also, has the, has the SHMAR actually looked at that, or has it, has it not? It has. I, I, yeah, I thought it had, and I confirmed again with uh, Mr Lee today. Um, I made a very quick note somewhere. They are... Um, gypsies and travellers and whether they meet the definition or not are included in the mid-year estimates um, which are incorporated into the SHMAR uh, and so because they're not taken out at any, any point they are included in the overall need. Where, where can I see that then? Ooh. <laughs> I think it's picked up in the census is it, data. I think that's where it comes I mean, if, from. If, if you would like simply a note probably from ORS that just explains how that community is included within the, the census data, yeah. uh, which then feeds into the SHMAR. I think we can probably do that as a sort of possibly a one paragraph note. That's or, what I need. Yeah. 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 yeah I think great. they are embedded in that, isn't it? I suppose it's dependent on whether they fill the census data and et cetera. But, um, but in theory. So then that takes away any question of needing to amend anything else in, in SP2, which is obviously what we're looking to avoid. Yep, no, we can definitely do that. Right. We can, if necessary, come back to these policies at stage two as well, can't we? Well, yeah, H9, it is all about H9, which is in stage two, but obviously yeah. it's, the, it's the need element that we need to tie up at this stage. Yeah, so I've put a new question in, which was about if... Um, It was question, new question 12 in the agenda, which was different to the MIQs because I put some extra ones in. Um, you're proposing to take out the commitment to review the, pl the plan. It's that part of the text. You're, yeah. Um, no, no, that's wrong. So you, you're, sorry. you're taking out the, the... I can't find my question in the... Um, 
Was it John? It's taking out the DP, the, um, the DPD or the need to review. The, the Where's my question? Is it the original question 12 where we say it's unlikely to be necessary to repair a supplementary planning document? It's a supplementary yeah. DPD. So you're taking out reference to that, so that's not, not going to be an option anymore. So my question then is, does that mean um, need to really commit to, re to a review in a different manner? Let so it's my question 12 on the agenda. So it should policy H9 include a commitment to review the plan if future reviews of the GTA indicate the need of future land allocations to provide for currently unknown needs. So it's, that's suggested as a solution at paragraph 3.11 of the GTAA. So I've, I'm just asking that question really. And it links to the fact that you're not going to review things via a need for DPD. So where, where will the need to review be taken into account? Are you with me? I, I'm with you. Sorry, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we are still looking at the transit needs, so putting that to a side for a second. Yeah. Um, but the, the overall needs, I, I think we would see it as being through a review to the local plan. Right, okay. Do you need to say that then, I think is my question. And that's what, that's what the um, paragraph 3.11 of the GTAA says. Uh, I think, yes, if that, if that would be helpful. I don't see any reason not to say that. I think given that there is now the mandatory duties yeah. of review, there's a question of whether, in a sense, one is doubling up. Yeah. So the, qu yeah. query as to whether it's... It's in the explanatory text, or yeah. just to sort of cover it to say that... I mean, there could be a cross-reference to the fact that that duty of review exists and that that's how you would pick up on uh, such unmet needs. Yeah. I'm trying to find where it says it in the GTA. It's, it's linked really to the, what happens to the... Um, the presently unknown needs, that's, that's where it comes in. So, it's, if, you have a, if you review the GTA in the future and the, uh, those unknowns become known, what do, you, what do you do about them? I think that's, that's the point at which I'm asking the question about the review rather than the general. But I think it's probably covered from the same answer. Okay. But, but, well, um in our response to the original question eight, we say that the, me, the needs of those who may meet the definition will be met through the through H nine. Oh, hang on. Yeah, they're the don't meet the definition, and these are the unknowns that may become known. And it's when they become known, how will you provide for them? That, that's the the crux of it. <laughs> yeah. But I think it is the review that we and we've. It may just be the review. I, mean, I should say that obviously the, although there is a mandatory duty to review at not less than a five year interval, that's not as it were that you're not allowed to review before you get to that. There is obviously a general expectation that the council should keep the evidence base under a yeah. continuous review. Yeah. So if circumstances arose before you got to a, as it were, required review stage, uh, there would be no reason why the council wouldn't then take the appropriate action to yeah. consider a review. 
Yeah. So further evidence to support the next view of the local plan would, would um, some of the unknowns might, might switch, switch one way or the other, exactly. or, or might remain. But in terms of any individual applications, those, those unknowns might also crystallise through applications in that they would they yeah. meet the definition. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so question seven was question fourteen in the agenda. I am still rather than the MIQs. Um, you've recommended a main mod to clarify that there are no allocations. I think that I've nothing more to say on that. I think there was the question of whether you had any. You, you're saying that there's um, the question was: Is there any evidence of unmet need in the district? For example, from the caravan count or unauthorised encampments. Um, and I think you, you say there are no significant, no significant evidence of unauthorised encampment. Question 16. Now yeah, question 16. I've moved to. Sorry. So it's just <laughs> whether you have any data to quantify significant evidence or. Um, well, we we refer to. In, sorry, I'm going to jump numbers even more and confuse things. In, in the original question 11, so our paragraph 11.1, we reference the uh, fact that there is one tolerated site and one authorised site, but both of those with one pitch yep. uh, on them, uh, the latter of which now being vacant with the residents having been moved into a dwelling. Yeah. And there's no other so it's one then is your answer that, that in terms of unauthorised encampments is that quantified apart from to say that it's not significant uh, it, well no it, it's the quantification is, is those two, two, two ones yeah, yeah, in, 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 two. In, or, or otherwise known as two <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, the two is the, is the not significant yeah two plan. is the not significant yeah right. Not significant can be a better variety of things, can't it? Too. Yes. Yeah. Question 17 was about deleting the um, your, your suggested deletion of the future preparation of a specific size allocations DPD, which we've covered. And then question 18 was about the review again. So I think that's everything. There's a question 19. I don't know. Oh. And 20. Oh, sorry. There's 19 and 20. Transit, the transit that um, with the other councils in Essex, and what um, progress is made on that? Where are we with it? Uh, it, it, it is relatively limited progress. Um, we rang up the district who is leading on it um, to, to, to catch up on how the work was going and, and assist with answering the question. Um, they identified that, um, yes, it's still at the information gathering phase. Um, Who's the lead? Who's the lead? Uh, I can't remember who we called. I think it was Basildon. Um, but I, I, will, I can check that. So still information gathering, no. I, I, Did you I, refer to a task and finish group? Yeah, there's a task finish group. I, I, I think, although I, I'm not 100% certain, that they, um, they talked about uh, wanting to appoint consultants to undertake the work soon. Soon? Soon, yeah. I, okay. Apologies that I can't be more specific no, or more fine. certain. 
So at the moment, it's, there's no real idea about the likely need for transit sites within Uttlesford. No, so there's the, the Essex-wide, is it Essex-wide? Within the greater Essex area, the need for potential of 12 to 45 yeah, caravan but spaces, but in, in terms of where that is... No further No, um, so I mean, there, there has been... I'm aware of discussions which have talked about whether, whether there's a need for one transit site to in the north and one transit site in the south of the district, but I think that there needs to be... I think that additional work needs to, uh, needs to make sure that those thoughts are justified. Okay. Well, that's something that's sort of running in parallel with this examination, yeah. so it might become a stage where we can deal with it at stage two if there's more information by then. We will continue to follow up on it and, and yeah, make sure try to... and chase that yeah. too. Okay, that definitely is it. That's 20 at the end of the list. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's nearly six o'clock, so... I've never had such long sessions at local planning hearings as these this week. I've normally managed to get the timings fairly square. There's so many people. Just, just on that point about timetable, I mean, obviously, we've had a long day today, and today I have to say that my feeling was that the agenda was ambitious to deal with housing requirement, housing supply and employment and gypsies and travellers, yeah. uh, but we've achieved it. Tomorrow, uh, clearly, we've got an important day in terms of spatial strategy, um, but um, certainly uh, no um, more ambitious than today was, possibly less. Yeah. I mean, originally on the timetable, Friday had been a reserve day. Just in terms of your thinking at the moment, am I sort of reasonably safe in thinking, I'm just thinking about logistics and hotels and so on, that you're envisaging that we are unlikely to need the reserve day. If we didn't need it for today, in a sense, it seems... The reserve days at the end, is it not at the end of the week after next? Well, I, th I think there was an earlier timetable which had got this Friday as a reserve day. Out, um, yeah. And the, re the reserve day is now just at the end of the yeah. week. Yeah, so, so right, so okay, okay well, I'm we, safe to... We weren't planning on... We're not booking yeah. hotels. Friday. We're not no. booking Right, either. good, no. that's all I wanted to clarify. <laughs> I Thank think you. it's... Uh, um, and hopefully we won't need it... The other, the other point, that was my thinking earlier, was always kind of time was ticking off, oh, we've got, we could, we've got that reserve Friday for this, but it seems a shame to be here half a day to deal with ten minutes' worth of evidence, doesn't it? But, yeah, it's always difficult, because we, we've devised the timetable, as you probably know, before you know who's coming to speak, and then, it's, and then there's been logistical nightmares on the Louise with people saying, I can't come this day, and I can't come that day. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's been quite a challenge, but... Um, yeah, maybe a day and a, three days for the two matters might have been better. But I, I'm fairly confident tomorrow might not be as quiet as long a day, but you never know. Until, it's hard to know until people turn up and how many people speak and whatever, isn't it? It feels like we've covered some of the issues that are going to be discussed tomorrow today Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah. And at the SA, and very, you know, by the time you get to the end, it's sort of um, you've covered a lot of the ground. I mean, some people like to still go over it, but... Uh, Mm. You've got so what? Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so it depends how many want to speak, and again, it's always difficult to judge that, isn't it? Um, just have to be fairly. It's always difficult with uh, with um, local residents as well, because they, you know, you've got to let them speak, haven't you? Even though, um, and if you don't, then it's difficult. So, but they do take some time, quite a bit of time, don't they, to uh, to make their points part of the process.
No, I mean, if, uh, if it suits uh, you to start at 9.30, uh, that, I think we can manage that with, uh, with the team. Um, I, mean, I, I should just say, perhaps because I don't know, um, uh, you won't have noticed, I, I won't be here on Thursday of next week, but Asa Taranatunga, who's been sitting through Observe, who's a member of my chambers, will be uh, uh, providing whatever legal input is needed uh, for that, uh, that day. Yeah.